0: I'm a socialist but I'm not a Marxist. By Scotty Hendricks. I have a confession to make. I'm not a Marxist, nor are a number of other DSA members whom I have spoken to. As I was a philosophy major in college with left-wing sympathies, I have read a great deal of Marx and commentaries on him. I find his diagnoses for what is wrong with capitalism to be profound and generally accurate. He deserves praise for his ideas on the alienation of labor. He is, to my understanding, the first person to even suggest that demand-side failures were possible in a market system. In other areas, I find his theories lacking. His theory of history is unscientific and impossible to use in a way that doesn't demonstrate that he was correct, even when the data seems to suggest otherwise. I maintain that his visions of an all-consuming and unpreventable final revolution have more in common with a religious view of the apocalypse than a political philosophy based in reason. I am one of many who find his economic ideas to be flawed. However, even without being a Marxist, I am still a democratic socialist and active member of the DSA. I just have other philosophical justifications for it. My political philosophy is primarily influenced by the liberal philosopher John Rawls. His famous book, A Theory of Justice, brilliantly argues for social democracy using liberal principles of justice. These principles demand equal rights for all and a just distribution of wealth which benefits everyone and forbids inequalities that serve only the rich. Rawls also understood that a vastly unequal society would suffer harms to its liberal institutions, which further mandates the correction of massive inequalities. While his theory is liberal, it doesn't forbid public ownership of the means of production. Rawls' primary concern isn't who owns the means of production, but rather what becomes of the wealth that society generates overall. He explicitly states that both socialist and capitalist societies could satisfy his principles. Such a socialist society would require a large measure of democratic control. Such a capitalist society would require significant protections for the worker, regulations of the market, and social benefits available to everyone. Since I largely agree with Rawls, the question is if I should strive to help build a social democratic society in the vein of the Scandinavian model on steroids or a democratic socialist one. Given the rollback of social democracy around the world over the last few decades even in countries where social democratic parties were the strongest, I am convinced that the only way to assure a just distribution of goods over the long run and assure the success of liberty and equality is to give control of the means of production to the workers. In this way, I am a socialist for liberal reasons. These philosophical considerations probably do make me a more moderate socialist than others. But this does not mean that I cannot find common ground with my comrades on the far left. My 80% friend is not my 20% enemy. While I disagree with the end goals and analysis of my Marxist comrades, I agree with them on who should own the means of production. Politics often makes for strange bedfellows and the left has always had problems with this. If we want to avoid the mistakes of the 20th century, We must not drive away those who largely agree with us over small ideological distinctions. Marxists of the DSA unite and keep up the good work, but remember that some of us are on your side without sharing your ideology.
1: I, I think I was thinking on my way over here about sort of a typology of these people. And I think that all of them these are people. Yeah, I yeah. think all of them are radical liberals. I think that's sort of the overarching term to use for them. But then within that, you have sort of a tripartite classification. Anarchists, definitely. Um, And then you've got like, I don't know, like Radlib's proper, I guess, or like identitarians, like r- identitarian fundamentalists, right? Mm-hmm. Um Like and, what? Like um, here in Chicago, like the uh, the Sprout People are mm-hmm. are example. Or in Los Angeles, the uh, slate that won uh, the Los Angeles delegate elections is called Intersectional Socialists for Black Liberation. Awesome. Yeah. So, wow. I, and I'm pretty. You can imagine how many. Actual, <laughs> Sounds like, like something people somebody made up like, to make fun of.
2: identity <laughs> <politics>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it Reminds
1: me of the uh, buffet. What of, the fuck uh,
3: does that even mean? Can we can we deconstruct? <laughs> it means that, whatever that, you that, want like it to mean, buddy. <laughs> Sprinkles. You can put some you know gummy bears on there. Right. Right. It
4: was an in intersectional socialist for black liberation. Is yes, that right? Is that yes, yeah, said? That's correct.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's right.
4: right. So, so like, in what way that's how, intersectional? How, I'm not sure. What does it mean for them to be intersectional? Does that mean that like everyone's got to be in some sort of <laughs> opposite group to the quote unquote dominant group? So
5: let's break it down even further. Right. If you're talking about intersectional and you add race to it, that means you're only considering gender identity. Um, and, um, I guess that's, that's, handicaps, in that handy. <laughs> okay. And disabilities. So if that's the intersectional idea, then I'm fat, but fat so I was actually, I <laughs> was a recently disability. informed
6: that, um, like climate change is intersectional. Oh. So oh, you know, I wow. didn't get an explanation. It is an intersectional struggle. <laughs> like,
7: hurricanes are gendered. Can we, that's they fucked were. up. Right? They fixed
5: that already. True. They, they already gave them male I, names. And and when well, the woman complains,
7: referred to as they them.
5: I'm sorry, but they should. <laughs> They'll add that eventually. You should. You should. You know, appeal. Of course, they're they, they, they them. Well, and they're I, I, I want to get my the, the last
1: classification because the last classification <laughs> are self-identified um revolutionary communists. Awesome. We um, we know those. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. But yeah, we do. Comrade. You know, outside of the anglosphere, there are plenty of actual. You know, Marxist self-identified revolutionary communists, but I think in the Anglo sphere, with a few exceptions, the vast majority of them are indistinguishable politically. Friendly. What is right. the, the Anglo sphere? Yeah. They're just all liberals. Yeah.
5: Hold on, terminology it, check. What is the, what is the Anglo the, sphere? The English-speaking uh, world. So, okay,
4: so what you're telling me is, is that they're all the same, but they like to do cosplay differently. Right. I think that's what it is. And there may like, be some gri- people like wearing like Soviet uniforms but still vote for Biden. <laughs> some people like having pink teal hair, but still vote for Biden. And what's the other group we got left? And some people like to pretend, you know, that they fit every opposite box of like the dominant box. So they're always, you know, it's like if they're a man, then now they're a woman. And if they're white, now they say they're not white because they're black.
1: And, you know, and, and that's their like, no, they, oh, say they're they're Native, they say they're Native American.
4: They're Native American. Yeah.
5: There you go. My, my question is, which which group looks best in a skirt?
1: In a skirt? That's toxic, yeah. dude. That's toxic. Toxic masculinity rears its ugly head on this we talked pristine about this. podcast.
5: Conrad, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: just, just
1: jump in there. What were you going to
6: say? I'm going to venture a guess just to say that uh, uniformly um, probably most of them don't look that great wearing any clothing. <laughs> um, or no clothing,
5: for that matter. Wait, drag.
3: That's an ambiguous proposition. So they they look bad with no clothing on, or they, well, just, look oh, yeah, they just look bad. It's intersectional, or
1: or they look good. Uh-huh.
3: I don't know. All right, all right, all right. so <laughs> so are are there are there socialists on the left? Are there non? Because if it's, cause I've often had this sensation that um, it's not good enough to be a liberal anymore. It's not good enough to be progressive. It's not good enough to be like you have everything has to be in the superlative so you got to be a fucking right ml or what you know you got to be yeah. like a revolutionary mm. and
7: uh, we live in the age of the superlative i mean i
3: but well, these people are just by, liberals.
4: what do you mean by a revolutionary though right cuz like any socialist stance will be revolutionary because right. it's asking for radical changes right what
1: what the revolutionary communists here in chicago mean by revolutionary is abolish um yeah. and not just abolish the police but Abolish gender and everything. Right. Abolish everything. That's what they mean by revolutionary communism. Abolish numbers. Not
4: revolutionary
7: communism. Yeah,
1: obviously.
7: Obviously. It's just anarchism, is what it is. I don't know about what we're talking about. So
1: fundamentally, are these three divisions just anarchists? Like three different varieties of anarchists?
7: No, because I mean I I think like identitarian fundamentalists are not anarchists. Yeah, that's true. Because they need the state in order to enforce those but, like norms, the the kind of discursive recognition of mm-hmm. different identities.
6: Here's a better question: Are the anarchists actually anarchists? That is, that a, is what also what would good, it means yeah. to be an anarchist. Um, you know, I was uh, sort of struck. Um, we held a panel discussion in my local DSA chapter. Uh, it must have been almost a year ago now uh, about socialist parties, right? We invited um, sort of like the uh, Ralph Milibandian faction to come speak at the panel. We invited uh, our local Stalinist faction to come speak at the panel. Um, and we invited the, uh, someone who I believe identifies themselves as an anarchist. Yeah. And they were advocating that socialists should um, uh, participate in municipal elections as their dominant strategy. I mean, you know, I'm not like an expert on anarchism. I've read some Bakunin. I've read some Kubrakin. I don't think that any of those guys probably would have said, let's run people for office. You know what I mean? They're just liberals. (laughs)
3: They're just liberals who need, Mm. they need some phantasmatic support. You know, they need to, they need to mirror over the bed. They need, "Mm, yeah, yeah, you're really doing it. That's what they need. You know, they're just liberals, but they need to imagine that there's so much more. I'm not just a manager. I got sleeve tats. I'm not just, you know, I'm Mm. not just a... (laughs) They need it. It's just like, I'm different. Sorry, Conrad. Are you a it's, manager? Yeah. Are you a manager?
6: No, but I am a professional. So uh, it's almost as bad.
3: Mm-hmm. Aren't we all, though?
7: I mean, aren't we all professionals? I'm here? very unprofessional.
6: But, but we're both in
7: academia. We're professionals. Okay. So
6: yeah, you in- guys are students or teachers or something. I say you're bohemians more than professionals. So you get a pass on this one.
3: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm a full time, like, amateur so let's uh it might help to define so i want to like what is the problem with the fucking left in this country it seems to me like it's it's loaded with people who are anarchists and rad libs and that seems to be the problem but um but let's define these terms like what you you pointed at conrad are the anarchists anarchists like what is anarchism what is liberalism what is socialism let's do a round of this please someone define these terms no
5: what is it anarchism? What is, what do we Conrad, have-
3: you define the terms,
6: please? Go. Oh, sure. Um, so I guess historically, uh, to my mind, anarchism was a revolutionary, um, ideology that sought to, uh, overthrow all forms of hierarchy in the world, more or less at once, um, that came into existence in the early 19th century. Um, liberalism i mean i'm maybe a little shakier on this than anarchism but liberalism was if it still exists um you know a set of ideas and social practices uh that kind of emerged at the same time as the um the enlightenment was happening that emphasized uh like the the individual's role in um a greater society that included like basically everyone on earth, right? And yeah, attended with the enlightenment and the rise of um, sort of the mediation of social relations in the market. And then socialism, this one might be the most contentious, but I would say that socialism is the historical process by which the contradiction of, um, of, you'd say like liberal bourgeois society uh in kind of the industrial era um is overcome and transcended um and you know like maybe we could say that there would be lots of ways that that could happen but uh it's like theoretically the next thing on the list right mm.
3: that sounds really complicated the last one we can mm-hmm. certainly say those socialists are people who want a society without classes but uh right
2: yeah. isn't that yeah, they want one, like a cooperative it's...
6: economy they want all sorts of things mm-hmm. But I mean, they all disagree about things too. So who knows? Well, there is, but it, there's okay, also but, the, but,
7: oh, go
4: ahead. All right. So, so I want to backtrack. Let's start with liberalism because I think historically that's what happens first. It happens before anarchism. And I think mm-hmm. anarchism is just kind of a, a, a way the river, a way the river of liberalism flows, right? Yeah. Socialism mm-hmm. itself is also not necessarily a break with that you have to actually be Marxist to break with that. yeah. Because here the core issue is this idea of the individual as the basic building block of Mm -hmm. social structures, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which liberalism sort of starts, Mm -hmm. which is why even though anarchists want to smash the state, they end up in the same place that liberals end up because they they always look at it from the sort of individual as this sort of decontextualized, not part of a sort of bigger social construct, right? Which is what the Marxist stream of mm-hmm. socialism actually does, right? When the German ideology, historical materialism, and looking at, let's say, it's not the individual. There's actually this collective yeah. that we need to look at, right? And yeah, I think that's where-
3: Liberalism and yeah. anarchism are both methodological individualist views. So
4: that's why they always yeah. end up in the same place, which is fascism. But that's, that's a long story. Well,
3: but then you could say anarchists <laughs> are just rad libs.
6: That's what I think in the end. You could also say that most socialists are just liberals. I mean, Yeah, that's true. what's like the rallying cry of socialism? That the workers should be treated fairly, that they should get the value of their labor, these sorts of things. These are all basically, like, you could go tell John Locke that and you'd be like, yeah, I agree with that. Of course, you should have the value of your labor. The origin of values And that's
2: that's
7: where I was kind of going with the kind of, uh, I was about to say, this sort of triangle, I mean, this isn't, I'm not, not thinking of like Hayek's triangle or something. You're thinking of
3: the pink inverted triangle.
7: I am thinking of the pink inverted of the pink inverted <laughs> triangle. You're deeply, but you know you have liberal you have liberalism and then you have say, um, uh, anarchism as a form of like right liberalism and then um, socialism as a form of left liberalism. No, in the sense that the way in which that those two kind of um, end up occupying the same place is you get um, this sort of emphasis on well, socialists want. We need like a workers' collective or oh, something. Oh, you mean like
3: non-Marxist socialists. Right. Yes. I mean okay, non-Marxist socialist. Utopian socialists,
7: Utopian socialists gotcha. right? Because it is about how do we how do we get individuals to be able to it's like positive and negative freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have the means to actualize myself mm-hmm. um vis-a-vis having more power in the workplace. Anarchists are like, Dad, get off my fucking back. No more, no more hierarchies. And we have like little Com, like not even anymore you know, isn't it like is collectives like local
3: collectives you know what people I mean on Twitter for grooming people
7: well i sure. I mean I understand all that, but the point is is that historically there is that i think interesting overlap of like um of you know although anarchists are sensibly anti state and mm-hmm. maybe old school socialists are like you know centralized planning or something mm-hmm. like this um at the end of the day, there is that kind of emphasis on the individual mm-hmm. Having restoring power to the individual, right? Mm-hmm. With no real discussion of like social relations or class relations.
3: Mm-hmm. And then what distinguishes, then what's the alternative? If it's an... Socialism? So if socialism, so you've got this utopian strain of socialism, which is yucky, but what's the good one then? I mean, just, we're going to define all our terms, I guess. We should probably define conservatism too.
7: I mean, isn't Marx, I mean, I, I've often thought of Marxism as almost as in you know, contra socialism, you know, Marxism, contra socialism or something, you know what I mean? Really? What do you mean? I mean, I, I like we were saying, I mean, I think that like, it wasn't Marco, it wasn't Marco the one that just said it, that you, that the Marxists were the ones that actually sort of represented the break from the kind of socialist, the, um,
1: the liberal, the liberal, the liberal
7: stream. Liberal, right, the liberal yeah. stream yeah. Like, and it's like not about individuals. It's about right.
4: so. What do you mean, Margaret?
3: class relations?
4: Well, I mean, there's there's a couple of issues, right? So so the big issue, the big thing with Marxist is obviously materialism, right? And mm-hmm. it's a kind of thoroughgoing materialism, and, and, and that used to interpret what's happening in society and in, in history, right? Historical materialism, and that is kind of in a weird way a break from liberalism. Because liberalism starts positing these sort of individual as as a sort of self contained, almost monadic thing, right? right. I mean, it's not by accident that it's around the time of Leibniz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the individual has this ability to enter into contracts almost as if mm-hmm. the individual were mm-hmm. an abstract consciousness, right? Like an angel, a Cartesian really. ego that can can kind of contract outside of its material conditions impinging on it. So, so Descartes and Leibniz and, and Locke almost as a reaction to Spinoza, right? Mm-hmm. Spinoza says, no, bodies and mass, these things matter, they affect you. He's a he's the materialist sort of core of the Enlightenment, and there's a kind of reaction against that. And Locke, you know, it's necessary in order to maintain capitalism functioning the way that you know the British want to do it, right? And so, from Locke on, we have this kind of liberalism of the of the detached consciousness that can enter into agreements separate of like Mm -hmm. you know the social context, almost as if your consciousness was not generated by the social you know, reality that it's in, right? We're not individuals. We're members of a collective and what we think we inherited it, right? And Mm -hmm. and the material conditions that we're in generate that. So that's kind of where the break comes when Marx says that, you know, he says, no, 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 no. These liberals are wrong. That is the issue, right? So that's where Marx is different from the other socialists who are just part of that liberal tradition, right? Because he says that part of it On top of also the part where he says, you know, we should have a society with no class structure because the system is exploitative, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, so liberalism is basically a metaphysics, a metaphysical view of the world on which what there is consists of independent, indivisible individuals who are like um, locuses of volitions, wills, thoughts, wishes, desires, and they can be morally culpable, so you can blame them. They're free, so they present a break in chains of causality so that you can you can blame them and you can punish them,
4: right? I wouldn't say that that's what liberalism is. I would say that liberalism is a political system that presupposes that, right? right? It just sort of accepts it and then runs with it, right? Yeah. And that's where we get this sort of language of rights Mm -hmm. because these monads have rights vis-a-vis each other. Mm -hmm. And then, because the important thing for Locke was to establish property rights. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to maintain
6: the class hierarchy that he was in. You know, mm-hmm.
4: he was, wasn't he like a slaveholder? Yeah, or yeah. But the irony is, slaves the important and, you know, thing
6: for Locke isn't to establish property rights. People always had property rights. It's to justify right? it. He's
3: doing a dogmatically. The
6: important task. thing for Locke is to ground property rights in labor. Well, the, people always had feudal property rights.
4: Locke needed to establish yes. capitalist bourgeois. sort of bourgeois, bourgeois property, property rights.
3: rights. But I feel like okay, the so $60,000 question here is whether John Locke would have done um, an argument for reparations now.
6: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> hmm. And I'm wondering whether or not Lenin would support Black Lives Matter, but sadly we're never going to get uh, get answers to these. But I mean
7: also, I mean to me, right, the other sort of fundamental thing, like if I had to break down like uh, why you know, Marx versus, you know, everyone else or something or you know, why I am a Marxist, Marx right? Omnis. Like what If there's a fundamental proposition within the kind of marxist uh doctrine or whatever you want to say it is that the consciousnesses of men is not you know it's determined by their material conditions right
3: so yeah that so, social existence and, it, determines consciousness right exactly
7: right it's not it's not the other way around and and I think that all of those strains of anarchism liberalism and even utopian socialism i don't know if they really sort of you know that's not what um, you know, for them beliefs are, I mean, maybe with some exceptions, beliefs are like these free floating viruses that you just inherit in this weird way. And then you think, why, why do you think,
3: you know, it's secularized theology really, I mean, a liberal or an anarchist or maybe even a conservative, but I don't think so because conservatism puts so much emphasis on tradition and continuity with history and deference and respect for tradition. Uh, But I mean, I think with anarchism and liberalism for sure, it's secularized theology. The idea is there is an unmoved mover. There is an uncaused cause. It's not otherworldly. It's like, uh, you know, your body's a temple, the saying, right? God resides in your body. God is just your fucking ego. For a liberal, what is holy is the individual self. Mm-hmm. God is just the I that wants, desires, wishes, believes, and so forth. So, I mean yeah your ideas aren't caused by anything you are you're basically you're the center of the world. the ego is the center of the world. I think that's liberalism to a t yeah. and so Marx would just say, nope, there are no individuals
6: uh, well I mean I don't know that he... You would say that the freedom of the individual hmm. is the precondition for the freedom of all right I think well, that's freedom what of all is, is the precondition for individual freedom no, it's the opposite way the quote is. The reverse of that, and it always surprises people. The quote is the reverse of that. Can you repeat that? What's the quote? Um, it's, I believe, the free development of each is the precondition for the free development of all, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. Um, I think this is from the Communist Manifesto, um, but, each but it's this universe. interesting little formulation that yeah. sort of um, flips to the reverse of what people assume Marx would have thought about this. Mm um you know i i I guess what what I'm saying is I don't think that Marx is just saying that like um that we do live in sort of a collective socialized society, and thus we don't need to be concerned with like um you know the freedom of individuals uh, as sort of a political project um I think you know conversely the argument might be and you know. I'm willing to hear uh, points contrary to this. That the like the specific form of kind of like social society that we live in, or social system that we live in right now, actually constrains people's uh, like individual, collective, whatever type of freedom in all sorts of unnecessary ways.
3: But, but the dialectic is that each person says me first, and that is the source of the constraint that all place on all. And so, there is no external constraint; it's all internal. I think. I mean. I would want to say that the difference between Marxism and liberalism is that a Marxist is not committed to the methodological or metaphysical view that individuals are these independent, freestanding entities. Um, you'd have to check, like empirically, like, what is it, right? I mean, you can investigate, like, what is Thaddeus? He's got a relation to his environment. He metabolizes things. He does stuff like these are empirical questions, but for a liberal, it's just like a sort of article of faith that we hold these truths to be self-evident. That yada yada. So, I mean, well,
4: but uh, see the, the the way. So, part of the issue here is, is and I, I like the the sort of look at what happened with economics where they assumed that if you took microeconomic theory and you aggregated it, you could explain macroeconomic phenomena For example. until yeah, yeah. they realized that you can't fucking do that. It doesn't work. It's a fallacy you of
3: compositions. Actually,
4: you actually need to look at macroeconomic phenomena on its own to, to be able to kind of have some understanding of it. Because once you have a system, it operates different than just the aggregates. And, Liberals, anarchists, you know, conservative, you know, I use scare quotes when I say conservatives because no one in the conservative realm in the United States is trying to go back to monarchy. So there are liberals, too. Um, All these people assume that you can explain society by looking at individuals aggregated. And then you you get, you know, the system happening. and, And that's just false. Right. Just like your your place of work is not the collection of people at the place of work, but also the systems put in place to make that a place of work, then society operates the same way. There's a whole set of systems that, you know, operate it, it sort of on top of everything to organize all the elements of that social group, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the, the sort of liberal thing falls apart. But I don't think it's by accident I think it's necessary in order to maintain the class hierarchy, right? This is ideological and it's purposeful, right? Yeah, the, the illusion order,
3: is caused by this, by the society.
5: Well, I don't know. It kind of, it might be even more basic than um, trying to maintain the society. I mean, that's, uh, but this is more basic than trying to maintain property relationships. It might even go back mm-hmm. to like how Daniel was saying, it's kind of religious in the way that all of it seems to, pin itself on a personal accountability. When you're talking about anarchists, the anarchists will tell you that, um, you have to vote your conscience. you know, don't vote out of fear, that type of thing. Um, the, uh, liberal will tell you that, um, you know, it's about the individual actor inside the market, or it's about your individual identity within side of this system that counts. Um, and all of that seems to be kind of religious in the sense that how we think of um Christianity in the United States because it's 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 about your personal relationship with the system it's not about how that system is acting on you and it seems like that basic relationship of putting the individual um that project um in direct connection with you know the whole um is kind of what liberals and anarchists have in common. And I think when you add socialists to it, it's when that thing confronts a fully determined system, when someone is trying to be fully determinist in explaining the relationships of the system. So by that, I mean, you have um, all of these individuals and you have to account for how all of these individuals have a position inside of, All of the, I guess, stimuli within the system, whether that is social or economic, all those things are going to act on these individuals. And as a whole, groups respond to situations this way and because and where that comes in in the economics is the class relationships. And as long as those relationships are maintained, a socialist is capable of determining Certain outcomes of those relationships, I think that's the science, and
3: right, but for a liberal, there are no classes, and for an anarchist, there well, are no classes uh, right? I mean an anarchist would and an, why would know. there be no
5: classes for a liberal
3: well if you're if you're fundamentally a methodological individualist, then a class is just the heap of individuals like potatoes in a bag there's no difference i mean it's not fucking magic we're talking about it's the difference between an arithmetical sum and a and a geometrical, what do you call it, exponential.
1: So, in this sense, the identitarian fundamentalists that we were referring to earlier are not liberals because they they have invented a, a quote unquote class system. It just happens to be an identity system, right? So, like they yeah. they,
2: yeah.
3: So they're you're saying that they're they're primitive sort of ontological units, like what exists, are
1: identities, right? It seems to be. So
3: it's like ontological
1: mm-hmm. tribalism, right? Mm. right and so they may differ so and and to the extent that the anarchists are pure individualists that might be a difference but then again the anarchists seem to have close to zero um, resistance to this kind of ontology so I'm not sure to what extent the anarchists are the funny thing is though
3: now that we're talking about it they are ontological primitive um, tribalists and um, the funny thing is the epistemic side when you look at it the only way it's like for these people, I feel like sometimes they think like you can only know something if you're close enough to it, to touch it. Yeah. Like you have to right. taste it to know it. Live like experience. You, you gotta, yeah, you gotta live it. You gotta lick it. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> rub your face on it. Well, there's a funny, know. there's a funny, you
7: know, uh, primitivism, you know, I had a, I had a professor who, uh, very, amusingly and i think very correctly referred to object-oriented ontology as yes. oh 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 object-oriented ontology <laughs> as identity politics for things <laughs> and so but there's a weird way in which then that has now like like dialectically become uh you know now like identity politics is object-oriented ontology but like for people you Shit. know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, so people are things Basically, because the 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 ways in which it um,
3: yeah would you I think a thing essentializes identity I'd like
7: yeah. ontologically, it's like uh you know like like bare like bare DNA like right. I am this right I am mm. white you know in the way I'm, that like this thing is a yeah. fucking table you know
5: see see it's my crazy. question is what what did you call it um, reduces well, being I, to I, a identity property. ontology identity whatever
1: identitarian fundamentalism yeah is that what i so they they have an ideology. hot
5: hot take um isn't that so i i talked to daniel about this isn't that just what racism is in its purest form yeah Yeah. right (laughs) no no it's like seriously (laughs) (laughs) so like me and daniel were talking and we were kind of i kind of played a game with him i was like if i tell you this person is black what does that explain about him and he can it, play the bass guitar. <laughs> we 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 <laughs> yeah. decided on um that you can rap better. I mean, yeah. we 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 uh scientifically tested that by looking at French and a- German and
4: necessarily rap. Necessarily, they're oh. better at basketball. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. well, well, like well, we 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 found
5: out that's wrong today right, because of Nikola Jokic and uh, Luka it means Doncic. Probably so. a
7: good wide receiver <laughs> and maybe a good quarterback.
5: <laughs> Definitely not a good quarterback. <laughs> um, but uh, no, like it was. What do you really know about that person? Just because you know this identity about them well mark says you don't know anything
3: about a man when you know only that his name is jacob i mean i couldn't think of anything
5: exactly you just know like and then we tried to localize it to america what do you because know? yeah because black i mean what the fuck does that mean, I mean haitian, I, they could precisely. be haitian they well, could be nigerian i
7: mean what do i know that they're what that their skin pigment they could is be french right. yeah, that's it I mean, like,
5: americans can be you so you know boring. that know they that. are less likely it, it, to burn right, in the sun i don't sun. Know that is so right, they yeah. hear the
3: word black and they think of black americans right Right. that's all you know is they burn less
4: in
5: the sun that's all Is you actually
4: know. Actually, the, 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 an important thing, point, right? Because even though we're trying to differentiate them, it kind of shows how they're still bound together, right? You cannot be an identitarian fundamentalist if you don't have this kind of. Uh, again monadic view of identity where like you're Mm -hmm. imbued with this thing ontologically right it's a metaphysical like you if you're black then you're just black on this like level of of of, you know and if you're white you're white on this level of whiteness it's just it's like metaphysically a thing right you guys just don't
2: know my bones
6: are black all uh, bones it, are bones. yeah it's like <laughs> but
0: it's
7: like the platonic <laughs>
2: form
6: yes, you know what I, know what I mean Conrad. yes Conrad <laughs> yeah go ahead didn't um, you guys in Chicago recently learn uh, what black people are and it, or maybe it was what white people are and white people are like
1: punctual and they're good at math oh yes someone explain whoa whoa I don't know yeah. I think I'm so, uh, so I so as, as part of the radlib anarchist identitarian fundamentalist coalition sort of slowly taking over Chicago DSA um, they had the example executive committee read a um, a, a work called fighting white supremacy in organizations. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, And this work, I haven't read it, but um, uh, it, it, work. It, it apparently includes passages saying that things like punctuality and organization are white supremacist <laughs> characteristics. <laughs> so French people are black. See, right I'm so. on board
5: with this. because Who wants to be on time all Italians the time? Italians are black. Portuguese are black. Right? And
1: so you see this kind of recursion, right? Like the, the, the true horseshoe theory of like right wing racism and left quote unquote left wing anti-racism just kind of oh, merging yeah. together. It's, brilliant. One, it's totally yeah. brilliant. Well, it's,
3: it's like they've managed to somehow wrap around and shove their own dicks up their own asses.
1: But I think, you know, I think fundamentally when you, when you go past, I'm going to say it again. It's a snake. Eating its own ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
2: <laughs> but but when when you
1: when you go past the sort of like taxonomic question of like what are these people and, and what defines them, and you, you go to the question of where do they come from and why do they exist, right? right? right. Like I, I think a lot of this clearly there's something to do with uh, confused middle class millennials, Dallary Mobile millennials kind of casting about for some explanation, having the explanation of Marxism or at least some sort of class analysis withdrawn from them by their Shitty college educations, which were purely postmodernist and purely liberalized, by the time you know they they actually needed to understand what was going on with the with the crisis and its aftermath. Right. So so there's that question, but then I think a lot of it is also just um, you know having grown up you know and sort of come of political age in in the Bush years, um, we we tend to forget just how hegemonic uh, sort of evangelical cultural politics was during that time, right? Particularly in places like the Midwest, mm. small town Midwest. Um, and of course, young people hated it, but I think that you can see this refraction of of that thought process, the evangelical thought process, the, the right-wing evangelical political thought process, and then swapped out different terms, and now it emerges as this kind of identity fundamentalism right. that, that makes sense. Is it very makes perfect similar. sense. Right. What
3: is it um, the religions that... Um, that spread. What is it? So Judaism isn't one, but um, what do they call missionary religions? Yes, they, yeah. it has a missionary
5: character. All yeah, this. I used to yeah. ask people when we were in SA all the time. When I was trying to understand people, I would ask them, "Have you ever been a part of a church?" Because I have been, and something that's very similar to learning about socialism and learning about Marx is when you leave the church. It's it's or when you're in the church and you finally leave, you learn that you learn how to fight against dogma. Um, you learn that you have to analyze things um, in, in, in reality and the conditions and the results more than just the causes. And <clears throat> what I find is that um, people who have that experience in a lot of these socialist organizations that aren't just atheists as a reaction to their upbringing, right. but people who have actually reckoned with religion mm-hmm. um, fully and come out of it have a different approach to socialism than people who do just have that reaction. This is their first experience with dogma for the most part, most of the young people that I've met. And they really have the same faith in the text that people do in church. And they have an even more um, like, um, I guess insidious is that they have a reverence for the text This similar to how people do in a church. So I I I always ask them that because it helps me relate to people as to I'm gonna point out like where I'm seeing hazards in your thinking. And if we have something that you can connect it to, that'll make it easier. But for the most part, I think like Jamal was saying, I I can't make that connection because this is just kind of a reaction to the Bush era evangelicalism of the right.
3: Well, but the irony is is the left is now sorry. Completely evangelical, and like when I think about the shits that gets their gets them all worked up, they're like kindergarten teachers, they're like nuns, they're like moralizing mommies, like but- they really just want to like shout down somebody who <laughs> who you know like I was talking to Adam a minute ago before this like they 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 get crazy about age gaps and relationships, shit like this like fucking stuff you would expect from like. A bunch of old gossipy old you know spinsters on a porch just, fuddy-duddies they're <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking fuddy-duddies <laughs> say what you will about the new left they wanted to break Marco all the fucking the, rules marco's itching
1: they're, they're also <laughs> obsessed with unwholesome not, pop culture which yeah. is another similarity the whole, whole idea though yeah. like health but it's like
4: not ironic it, it fits exactly within a marxist framework for historical materialism right you're not going to get a different kind of culture out of the same material conditions. Right, right, you're right, just right. going to get an interplay of that. Yeah. Right, right. It, it, you're just going to get the same yeah. bullshit, but with different, you know, different flavor, right? In, so you get the evangelical the bullshit, shit. and then you get the lib bullshit. And they're both fucking yeah. fundamentalist insane maniacs, but just about different shit. Because the material conditions are still the same.
5: What are the material conditions Just that are created? Well, they, let's go
3: into this, because Jamal was saying, hinting at this already. So I feel like we've defined our terms. Now, why do there, there exist these socialists on the left, which are actually radlibs and anarchists? What are the effects? Two, so one, why do they exist? Two, what are the effects for the left or for socialism? How have you want to define it? And three, why do they fucking hate real socialists? Like, I've never felt so much, like, animosity directed at me by someone who calls himself a leftist. Like, liberals, I can understand. Like, I want to take your property if you own the means of production, if you own financial assets, if you own commercial capital. You have every reason to be, you know...
1: I I think in the in the last case is probably the simplest one to answer. Um, I I think that the reason that they hate Marxism or that they constantly try to like self-identify as Marxists and then like push out the actual Marxists. Right. This kind of like body snatcher, you know, sort of sort of imperative um, is just that like these people um, are victims. They're hegemonic in the cultural sphere, but in their interpersonal spheres, they live in these hot house environments where no one is exactly quite sure of the dogma. But you can be sure that you're going right. to get canceled if you don't get the dogma right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's always this kind of like nagging suspicion that I don't actually understand it's the like rules. The terror. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, like it's the a it's church. Right. Right. And so to to have. Um, to have a fully formed sort of intellectual tradition that is telling you you're wrong. It's just sort of like, you don't know how to handle that. Right. Like you have to anathematize you just Read it. the fucking books. It's not magic. No, they don't
5: read books. But- I mean, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> they don't read. Books.
1: Yeah, I mean, it,
6: c- Catholicism is an entire world religion that gets by on no one reading the Bible. Right. Now. So yes. it's like it is possible. Right? Yeah, but I mean, Catholic <laughs> theology—that's I mean, that's a, a real thing. Evangelical, like they got they've
3: got a proper.
1: Right. Theory. No, but but Thaddeus is right. This is out of the evangelical tradition, right? Where the Catholics have there there are people in within Catholicism whose job it is to read the books. In evangelical Christianity, no one is reading the books. Right. These are no. these are charismatic preachers.
3: I'll so give you mean, what, I mean, I mean, they're they're a quick. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: So I'll give you a quick anecdote real quick Like when I first started reckoning with the Bible I started reading it from beginning to end Right so I started reading the Old Testament You read the Old Testament And you're like you know 15 It's full of horrible shit It's full of people doing heinous shit that's, that's the first, like, once you get past Exodus, that's most of the Bible is people doing horrible shit to the Philistines. And when you bring this to someone, what they would tell me is, you should start with the New Testament. You should read Jesus's words first. Yeah. It's like, okay, that it's a very that helps. Protestant thing to say. <laughs> but <laughs> who is that, who is that German guy? Jewish. And that's, that's how I feel about, we learned this in NSA, like, we were telling people, you just you just read Marks when people were like, what yeah, should you read? And then read? the fucking leadership says, no, don't read, read Capital. Read Trotsky. <laughs> don't read Marx. Read Lenin and read Trotsky first. Not, yeah, but you, not, but you guys,
1: you guys are in uh, uh, another world where people are actually reading Marx and Lenin and Trotsky, right? Like, sure. In in the DSA, among the rad libs, they're they're not reading any of that. They're mm-hmm. reading if, insofar as they are reading, they're reading like Miriam Kaba and like I don't know, fucking what the fuck is that? She's there in Chicago at least. She's their like flagship intellectual. Um, don't you know that reading is ableist? Like, you know, right. <laughs> explain, but, but insofar, Shit. insofar wait, wait. as they're reading Miriam comic, I mean, I don't think they're actually reading her, right? Like they're absorbing half understood sort of notions of who the correct person to refer to and what mm. that person may believe. That's is. like, that's like you, but they're not you, actually reading her. You go
3: fishing, you catch a shark, you bring it up, you, you cut it open, you do the autopsy, what filet or whatever. And it's a half digested, like gasoline can. I'll just have that for lunch. Like no dumbass. <laughs> Think for your fucking self.
1: No, no, no. That's not. But but they can't. That's not the point. Digesting somebody else's
3: half half digested shit. The point of this
1: is not to understand the truth. The point of this is to. Um, exist within this defective to fit social in. scene right like where I, that they've somehow managed to find themselves trapped but they're just in, right? babies yes they're they're yes they're 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 mentally defective people you know <laughs> and you, you
5: call them babies it, all the time but i think they're not quite babies cuz i watched my nephews and i remember when one of my they're nephews are better it, than my, that that's well, what well, you're no, no, than than are, you No no they are they are cuz babies are babies, babies have They have emotion and they have passion. That's what I call babies crying. It's passion. (laughs) They're passionate, right? But when you see like a little kid who's like, you know, seven, trying to deal with a toddler and they just don't know how to deal with it. That's what these people remind me of. The seven-year-old. Right. Because the other people are like, I'm the toddler. I know what I want. I'm going to get what I want. And they're trying to right. moralize to these to other people about, no, this isn't what you want. You should do it this way, you know, and they don't even know how to communicate properly. They haven't. They're in that liminal stage of development where they're just it's, you're, you're kind of fucked both ways. But but I think to a large extent, what has happened
1: to the 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 precaritized millennial working class and sort of larval PMC (laughs) is very similar to to what has happened to the to the, you know, to the rural white working class. Right. Like it. Yeah. To the MAGA brain PMC. It's like (laughs) these are two groups of, you know, similarly, um, you know, you, you can say idiotic, but fundamentally the problem is that they they have not been sort of granted the the knowledge of of a class analysis right like that has been withdrawn from them and so they cast about for other explanations for well, what's going on they're
3: hostile to it
1: yes they're they're hostile to it but but they they cast about for other explanations they find these kind of quasi religious explanations for things like these conspiracy theories these you know which uh, you you can you can look at the QAnon you know stuff as well. You as, don't have, you know, have to.
3: Identity politics is a conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, theory.
1: Those, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they they find these alternatives and they cling to them, but fundamentally it's the same underlying phenomenon, and it's the same thing on both sides. And the only way forward is to try to slowly, kind of, just very patiently bring up legitimate class analysis over and over again until it finally gets through to people that, oh, wait, no, this makes much more sense. Right. And this is why I think within you know, within class unity, there is uh, sort of a latent tension between people who want to try to play nice with the actually existing DSA or the actually existing left and try to convince people within that formation. Mm-hmm. And then people who are like, we should really be recruiting from outside of the actually existing left, right. bringing them in right. and using them to dislodge these people. Right. Um, And, and that's why I, I kind of fall more in the latter camp, generally speaking, because I think that there is much less resistance to class analysis in the genuine working class than there is in these kind of like miseducated sort of quasi cult, mm-hmm. you know, so, dynamic scenarios.
4: I mean, the, the thing is to, to shift from identity to class, you actually have to let go of your notion of self. Mm-hmm.
2: Right?
5: Right. You
4: have to completely like, ego death, abandon the idea that, that, you know, that these sort of identity categories are metaphysical and that they really matter. And in a sense, you almost have to go through like an ego death because you're not a special snowflake. You're not like super cool, you know, no, you're just another cog in the wheel of the system that operates and is put in place to make stuff, you know? And and to do that, you have to basically say, oh, I'm just this thing that that masses and forces impinge on, impinges on and I am the product of those things, right? And I'm not super special. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for the snowflakes, right? That's hard for anybody. That's really fucking hard. Well, yeah, that
3: is hard for anybody. That's hard for anybody. But once you've, yeah, but once it's trivially true, it's hard. It's really hard to relate. Um, Conrad, you, I saw, you got, you got something to jump in.
6: Oh, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are sort of realizing that all the time. Right. I mean, people sort of understand that they're uh, not the masters of their own existences um just from like practical experiences walking around the world um it's like more of an aspiration right than a than sort of a reality that people live with
4: i don't I know you, man do you mean? I, I i think people kind of think that they're like you know they're like captain america and yeah, this yeah. is their movie you know and Especially. eventually they will become rich right it's like that that uh that famous line that socialism doesn't take in the US because everyone's like an embarrassed millionaire. Right, right. Like, I think people kind of go around with that propaganda in their head. I mean, I, I sent you guys the link because we should put it in, but the the part of uh, they live, the one that Gizek talks about, about putting the mm, glasses yeah. on. Mm-hmm.
1: Try these on. Look, you crazy mother. Put these on. Hey, stay away from me. I'm telling you, you dumb son of it. <laughs> Either put on these
0: glasses or start eating that trash can. Look!
5: Look at them, they're everywhere! I don't know, maybe they can see oh. Valley 5th and Spring. Now hold on, you ain't the first son of a bitch to wake up out of their dream.
4: I mean, I, I think it, that, that metaphor is is true because you do have to basically put the glasses on. You have to actively be like, I'm not fucking special, you know? Otherwise, you have the glasses off and you're like, I'm special. I'm special all the time.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm don't. the only one what what who can feel of... me first personally. You can't. So I must be I mean, be in, really in, a, in a
5: world that's as atomized as our world, you have to function as an individual to some capacity. Right. Capitalism requires it.
3: Insane. Well, I mean, you also are, I mean, the law requires that you are accountable yes. for actions. You are, Marx says, a bearer of capital. You, mm-hmm. Your wallet is a point of light from which... Uh, money emanates and to which it returns. And if you're lucky enough to be a capitalist, it's a lot more
5: money. And it's just been getting worse. Like now, instead of having a pension that's managed by, you know, an accountant somewhere in the distance, you have to manage your own 401k. Right. Right. Instead of, You know, having, you know, healthcare that's single payer, you have a health savings plan Mm -hmm. or some shit. Everything is placed on the individual. When you're inside of a job, you guys are all competing against each other for who can do adequate work at best. If you work in a bigger firm you can do a little bit less if you work in a smaller firm you know you do a little bit more but if you work you, for the state of you, illinois you injection. mean more <laughs> right yeah I've heard so is, yeah. that's that's the biggest organization the state you work for the state there's there's less eyes you are holding jamal, you, accountable. you don't do shit <laughs> I don't do so exactly. it, it's just you can see the behaviors play out in the different relationships yeah. that are in our institutions like jamal was saying in the government you can work at a little bit of a slower pace. Because we if, got the union. If you're in the military, you can't be fired unless you do something I mean, you bad. can massacre a whole village of <laughs> well, people th- in that, That'll get you, you a medal, buddy. No, 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 so no, no, that's, that's not, not- It's not that rest. you
3: can massacre a whole village. It's that they want you, you to, must. to massacre a whole village. You, you, yeah, you must. must.
7: Those were the good old days. <laughs> but, um, uh,
3: but
5: no, but I, I mean, honestly, like it just goes do lower do and lower.
3: You are putting your finger on something like, I think this is the defect with liberalism and anarchism. Like. They don't seem to—I mean, okay, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that it is true that individuality and individuals are products of a social formation which is organized by capital— like obviously in feudalism, you didn't have individuals. The only the only individuals you had were the kings, basically the the barons, the family of you know nobles. Like yeah. whether you're in Poland or Russia or Spain, y'all spoke French or what I don't know what they spoke. But you were um,
6: part of the land. Hegel's got his idea that like um, the king in like ancient society, like Asiatic despotism right. or whatever, one is free, one is free. And- Mm. Athens, some, some, are free, some are free, and now in bourgeois society, guess what, guys? In principle. We're all free. All are free. In Christianity, that's right. But Only
4: capital is free.
3: But, but yeah, I think this that's, is an effect of capitalism, that there are individuals. In anarchism and liberalism, they don't recognize that. They think that, no, like... Individuals are what there is.
1: Well, one really telling thing that has transpired, um, as as some of you may be aware, Chicago class unity has had a reasonable degree of success in the recent delegate elections in Chicago DSA. And it's been really interesting to see the reaction to that, because before this happened, they thought there were like three of us, two in the of entire, us, yeah, two of us in the Sniffing entire thing, glue and
3: polishing our right. guns or whatever.
1: Right. And so now that we won a couple delegate seats, you see them saying stuff like, They appear to be the only people who understand how to block vote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know,
5: Will. which is which, extremely telling, right? Because yeah. you, you, you think about, yeah.
1: you know, you, you Chicago had like three other slates running for the delegates, and apparently they didn't know how to block vote. It's like, what what is a delegate like, slate if you, you don't have block vote? One for it? fucking right. task. <laughs> right. You have one. You single had one job fucking job, you had right. one job and, you and fucked it up. And the, and the former second largest caucus in the DSA just literally collapsed. You know, it, it was on pace to like have a great convention, but it fell apart. No one really understands why, but it's just like, yeah, if, if you're trying to build a political coalition out of a bunch of um, you know uh, individualists held together by this kind of like you know velcro right velcro like by they this, can't
3: even tie their fucking shoes right
1: this fake ideology that they buy into just because they're worried about getting canceled you that can't hold together right whereas we've got a bunch of people who like basically just agree on everything right like it's it's a really interesting you know sort of sort of divergence here and i think that you know, it's going to take longer for an actual left to constitute itself in the United States, but once it does, I think it will be much more durable than what we've seen so far. Because right. when when there is an actual fundamental basis to what you believe in, that basis can actually unite people in a in a in a more durable way than this kind of strange, you know, whatever this cargo cult thing is that that the Redlives believe in.
3: Well, that's the question. So s- Oh, sorry, go ahead, Margaret.
1: So, so I, I find this interesting because it kind of goes to one of the few
4: things that I think differentiate the anarchists from the other liberals, which is the fundamental misunderstanding that anarchists have about the idea of authority versus the idea of power. Mm-hmm. They conflate the two. Mm-hmm. So they think that yeah. anyone having authority in a situation means that they have power over everyone else, which right. is not really necessarily the case, right? It is the case in capitalism because anyone that has authority over you having a job has power over your life outside of the job because they can control right. whether you live or not. But in a society where all your needs are met, whoever has authority in your work situation doesn't have power over you. Right. But for anarchists, this power authority thing gets conflated, which is why they can't fucking vote and block or anything right. like yeah. Yeah. So, so, even close to that because another, anyone having authority over you is it's like a life threatening right. situation yeah. well that's uh, that's why they well, can't it's
7: also be why they're effective po- well that's also why their politics amount to like being like yes. you know kill your
3: fucking racist uncle or whatever right. it's like and then that means you, you know. never do anything so
4: smash smashes the state and everything gets yeah. resolved i mean literally yeah. that's yeah, all yeah, the yeah. bread
5: no, book what happens is. It smashes the state and everything gets resolved you you kick well, the cops so out and then the you murder some kids
6: um have you read david Graber? Yes. Yeah. Every, oh, yeah.
5: Bullshit
7: jobs. Bullshit so jobs is one of the greatest yeah. fucking yeah. It's a masterpiece.
6: The the graver idea about is like we're not going to smash the state anymore. We're not going to abolish uh, the government or whatever. Instead, what we're going to do is like we're all going to go around in our little individual efforts, and we're going to build a sort of cooperative society that exists within the shell of this other society that we're currently living in. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to all go around and do this stuff. And this cooperative society will like grow and grow from a bunch of different places at once. And eventually it'll kind of merge together and maybe without even realizing it one day, it'll just be everything and we won't have capitalism anymore.
4: So it's like anarchist market theory.
6: Yeah. He thought like, um,
4: uh, I mean that's basically it's like it's like it's like switching from god market to god
6: uh cooperatives. yeah, he thought that like mm-hmm. open source software. And um, like people giving each other, I I don't know. I know some people who Bitcoin Marco who have a they have a yogurt collective, so they make their own yogurt and give it to each other. Hard genetic shit.
4: I I I (laughs) will admit that I am slightly
3: you are susceptible to this shit.
4: I am slightly anti-genic because he called me an idiot once. But (laughs) oh, I see. (laughs) He said I was like a pedantic idiot or something. He made some jokes.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah, He
4: made some joke that was a dig at Marxism without being intellectually honest about the fact that he was taking a dig at Marxism. Mm. And I kind mm. of called it out. And then he just called me an idiot because I didn't
5: think the joke was funny.
3: Rest his so, soul, though. I think what Adam and Daddy were talking about was um, bullshit jobs, which seems like a decent thing. I started. No,
5: he does some research. digging at Marxism.
7: Bullshit, at jobs that book. Is a, bullshit jobs is a really great sort of weird, you know, Anthropological. Oh, it's Texts. Yeah. All mean, right. it's, it's really worth. Sounds like
5: out. my job. But um, kind yeah, of on the on the point sure. you guys are on last week. Um, and our kids have this apprehension towards the state. Right. right. That's the but focus of their attention. We also had the third party of like the communists, you know, radical communists, and joining the rad libs. And again, um, I've talked to this with about this with Daniel. Is that um. You know, there's kind of a substitution why we, why me and Daniel say we're not fans of the Soviet Union, but you'll find a lot of people who still are. Well, they defend it. What the Soviet Union did was basically instead of putting um, ownership of the means of production in the hands of the workers, they just put it in the hands of the bureaucracy. So your hierarchy still maintains itself and a class system still maintains itself. It's just instead of capitalists, you have bureaucrats, right? So. Oh. And PMC seems, loves that
3: because they hope they'll this be. This is like a question program.
6: that has uh, rendered eight thousand Trotskyist organizations.
5: Okay, like, yeah.
6: Was the class or not? Oh Great for fuck's question. sake!
3: Well, I mean, is the PMC I, a
6: class? Well, what I'm,
5: mean, what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get at is that it's not people that are trying to actually uh, tear down the state. They're all just right. trying to tear down their boss, their bully. It's a bully mentality because if you're trying to actually tear down the state, and you're trying to tear down class. Um, you're going to have to set up a relationship where the state is left only mediating over like mm-hmm. kind of social groups like children and parent and, you know, uh, people who aren't workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but and what's the workers theory
4: are, of the state? Well, like, but, do they have a theory of the state where they say this is what the state is?
3: Right? No, they don't really. I mean, the state I mean, is it, just a, a boogeyman. But the problem yeah, is that. But if you don't have a theory of the state, then what the fuck are you smashing? Governance?
4: That's that's just yes.
5: Yes, that seems to be it. it. They're just absolutely insane. Or you're talking about absolute governance, where the government is in control Mm -hmm. of everything, which then puts the 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 control Mm -hmm. in the hands of few individuals. This is how you know that has never happened. This is how you know there's never been an absolute. No
4: matter how totalitarian the regime, it can't control everything, right? This is how you know
3: anarchists are liberals because their number one preoccupation is the state and force, and for a Marxist. There is, there, there aren't, there's, there's not only one thing in the universe. There are at least two. There's probably more, but in addition to the state, there's also capital, you know, and capital is not the state. The whole point is that power is privatized and it's bullshit, but it's, you know, it's, it's sort of myth like, oh, well, I don't really have power. This is just the private sphere. And and, in some sense that's bullshit. But in another sense, it's, you know, it's really true. Like, there is this other source of power. It's called capital. It's not the state. Right. And you can smash the state and you only fuck yourself because at the end of the day, you, you the only, you got a popsicle's chance in hell, yeah. you know, like, so, so well, without you, you the fucking is, state.
4: I, I know that you two love just like trying to, you know, destroy the Soviet union or whatever. But one, I think important issue there is that even though Yes, control of the means of production went to the bureaucrats. Mm -hmm. Ownership did not go to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They did not own the means of production. And that is actually a big move from where we are. Yeah, of course. And and it's worth, you know, remembering that, you know, yes, they control the means of production, but you don't get the shit you get here now. But what I'm saying
5: is that if you're talking about like the optimal condition of the system, it would have been nice if they took the next step. And actually giving ownership of the means of production to the workers.
3: So just to unpack that, that's to say they controlled it, but it, they were not the ultimate beneficiaries of whatever. Right. Like they didn't get rents. They didn't yeah. get profits. Yeah. They yeah. just And they
5: didn't decide on what was manufactured.
3: But the funny thing is, and though, look at the North American
5: people. They just want to control. No class has ever done. Sorry, sorry, Daniel. Completely
6: liquidated themselves. Chose to, on their own volition, at the end of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Hmm. Well,
3: that's because like, they knew they were going to be a sweet deal when they privatized all those fucking mines and shit.
6: <laughs> wait until uh, like I don't know Jeff Bezos does that or something. Right. I don't think it's right. going to happen. Right.
1: Well, well, they liquidated themselves, but the, the beneficiaries of the liquid liquidation were a small proportion of the of the total class, right? But um, I it may have been that everyone thought they were going to be the oligarchs, and then mm-hmm. you know twenty wound up actually being the oligarchs, right?
3: All right, so, okay, okay.
7: Well, actually, what you were just saying, can we just go back to something you were just saying? So you were saying, um, you're talking about sources of power, and you're talking about state and capital, right? Mm -hmm. How how did you phrase it exactly? Well, there's more than
3: one kind of power. Right, and you were saying- There's like sort of direct coercion, which is state, monopoly on violence, yeah. and then there's sort of indirect coercion, like, you don't have to work. If you don't want to work, you can go starve to death. Uh, So- I see. Okay, you okay, have indirect okay, coercion, okay. and yeah. well, also capitalist power. I mean, look like BlackRock and all these things. I mean, they own everything. They're private security firms. They're right. allowed to kill people. I mean, but so not, not only only that. Firm, well, I
7: mean, it. because I was thinking about this, and with, with respect to liberalism and what we might call like radical liberalism, mm-hmm. where there's another kind of power, which is like um, ideas.
3: Oh yeah. Well, that's right? just straight just up like idealism. The, 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 the
7: kind of the sort of uh, radical idealism of like white supremacy or right. racism or I mean, you got whatever guy. X, and it's like like by virtue of like having um, abstract thoughts, there mm-hmm. there is a kind of power to them. This guy man. down in
3: Bama, he just yeah. he sits there and closes his eyes, he plugs his nose, he plugs his ears, and he just he thinks such hateful thoughts that it's just like yeah. Power.
7: And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild uh, metaphysical, ontological, like, understanding it, of, like, the world and how it operates. But there are a lot of people who really believe that, like, beliefs that. and ideas have enormous power to to do, yeah. to, to, like, you know, create, like, you know, to be, like, the prime mover or something. Yeah, that's you the know.
3: secular theology of liberalism. But I think <laughs> the difference between, that's where Marxism comes in and says actually, no, that's just an effect of a situation and that guy doesn't matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, however much however much you uh, can satisfy your emotional needs by um, venting your hatred on that guy. I mean...
7: But it is interesting, right? Because if you subscribe to that idea and, and you want to sort of make a world that's more equal, the only way you can do that is to get everyone to have the right thoughts. Well, yeah. Because if you think that having mm. those thoughts means that you have power... You know, uh like if you believe that racist people have power over minorities by virtue of the fact like they have like racist beliefs or something like so or, is it it's magical I, I thinking. is it it's the a, thought
5: that if everyone didn't? have racist thoughts that racism would, would, that, that everyone would be equal. Precisely. Not that you have to actually change precisely the economic, you know, distribution. There
3: is no such thing as society. That's the thing. Like Thatcher presents the pure form of liberalism. There is society does not exist. There are individuals and families and the state can do nothing but what those individuals do. Because what, what I'm trying and, and to. Oh. She
4: she had to say families. Yeah. Because of the right. evangelical right. Christian religious, you know, vote. Because otherwise you could have just said only individuals exist and be done with it. But if you said something like families don't exist, then you're going to lose the right wing <laughs>
5: conservative Christians, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a big problem with that. Right. So it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. what i'm trying I to agree. appeal to uh with you talking bringing in culture and I, you know that into one of the sources of power that liberals believe exist. Mm-hmm. so it seems like a lot of people have good intentions i hope i don't know if it's totally perverse and that it's only for self-satisfaction but um i, I wonder if you really believe that there is racism out there and you're looking for a way to accurate you know uh to, to combat that racism, yeah. um, that you would, you know, if you take the steps in looking at the causes and you're like, okay, we have all these racist views, um, and they have caused all these ills in the world, like poverty, um, crime and drug addiction. That's what, you know, the, the, the minorities do best. Um, yeah. you would then say, we want to get rid of the poverty, the crime, and the drug abuse, right? If you want to help minorities, if, if you're racist and you think that that's one of the things that, you know, makes you a minority, uh, when they always say poor people and minorities, that kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because as a minority member, you're, you're basically just. I mean, yeah, you're just poor. But, um,. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do no, that, no, no, no. you're going to figure that, you,
4: you missed the logical connection there. It, it's not that it's a poor people and minorities because minorities are not people.
5: Shit. Oh, <laughs> well, if no, I can no, be superhuman, there are passengers
3: in the world who that's need to take it, care like, of. There's custodians. poor people,
5: which is, <laughs> right? which is
4: poor white, white people, people who are right? poor and then minorities who are just not people. That is that's what they're saying. They're, like at, least they're like, like at least that's what it feels like to me. They're like kind of I
5: mean yeah. somebody's but gotta they want to help. So don't they want to alleviate the poverty, the crime, and the um, you know, drug addiction? And that would all be uh, an economic solution. Well,
3: I think you put the finger on it. Like, the liberal view is the idea that people's opinions or views you said, cause racism. That's the epitome of liberalism. I think it's a black box, but it's they still box. hate the effects. Right? Well, they, they hate the effects, and that's right. And that they're seeing something real. But I mean, racism is just capitalism seen through a glass darkly.
4: But mm-hmm. racism, as a sort of sui generis force, becomes this black box that you don't really need to look in you know, you don't have to look yeah. inside of it. It just causes all the ills of society. And we just need to get rid of the black box, and we'll be all right. Because if you actually looked inside, then you look at all this like weird, gross class stuff and, and you'll just become a class reductivist if you actually start looking at it, right? And you can't do that if you're a liberal. You just can't do it. Why not? Ill- it re- because it will require that you cease being what you are.
3: Right. I mean, there's I mean, no... And,
4: and, and, and being a liberal who is against racism, it still gives you the ability to feel that you're better than
3: black people. Why? While fighting racism. Because, that's a beautiful insight.
4: You know, because you, you, it's, it's this sort of metaphysical thing. I mean, they just can't help it. I'm always better than them, right? That's, mm. a, nice, that's ah. a nice dialectical <laughs> twist.
3: Yeah, I love this. Business? Marco, that's really good. Okay, so what you're saying is that the sanctimonious middle-class liberal says, you know, I may not be this, I may not be that, but at least I'm not black because I'm not a fucking racist. Hmm. the whole
4: thing is so fucked up if you really start like thinking about it but eh, whatever
3: so i don't don't know about it i guess
4: that's why solidarity only happens you know once we in a sense say yeah this shit's fucked up but this is not the problem the problem is this class problem that's creating all the other shit
5: but i would like to maintain their delusion and say yeah okay uh there's this, this disembodied demon of racism that's out there affecting all of the people in alabama um it's a virus um I would like to them to maintain that delusion, but it's like at a certain point, a virus has symptoms and you need to treat some of the symptoms. Otherwise, yeah, you course. can die of symptoms, but they of never course. want to treat the symptoms. If the symptoms then, are poverty and crime, why don't you want to treat those? It's like
3: Nietzsche said. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Nietzsche, but he says the idea of the free will is invented so that, you, so that the powerful could punish the powerless or the, so that the powerless could take revenge in their fantasy. Um, mm. And there's a good deal of that, I think. Like this is a technique we're all cogs and um some of the cogs want to hate the other cogs they'd rather hate the other cogs than uh hate their master but um i feel like we're reaching then so mm. two things lo- sort of still looming like who's populating the left why and what are the effects
1: the the left is populated um by downly mobile relatively well-educated millennials who expected to have better jobs than what they currently have or who are angling for jobs in a narrow range of knowledge economy industries, um, the academy, journalists, nonprofits, so on and so forth, that sort of thing. Um,
4: so, so basically slightly better educated people than the people who comprise the sort of fight club MRA groups. Who, you know, you, you because those guys are pissed off that, that right. they're not doing well financially, too, right? Mm, right. I mean, right, you go right. to Fight Club, it's like, you just found Fight. out you're not going to be a movie oh. star, you're not going to be this, and you're pissed off. That's the same group of people. Are, are you just, talking about the
1: film, the uh, Chuck Palahniuk uh, novel Fight Club, or are you referring to actual real life phenomenon in Fight Club?
4: No, no, no the, the, the films.
0: messy God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables. Slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression... Our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. I mean, the reference may be a little bit outdated.
1: Because no,
3: no, no but it's so it,
4: it a, a, it, a
1: general, sir. <laughs> have,
3: some, have some. Show some respect.
1: <laughs> I can see. Yeah, I, I get it. Show yeah, some that's some a very general. respect, reference. Jamal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought well, it was you a know good. Star movie. Wars, right? It was just.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, know Star but Wars. But Club, but Fight Club, you know is good. What? Go back to
7: Fight Club. But no, 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 no. Just, right. j- Fight Club is a very interesting reference because it is a film that was criticized for being hyper masculine when, in reality, it's right. just a film about class relations. Yeah, and they blow up is-
3: the fucking fire sector at the end. <laughs> yeah,
7: exactly. Ladies sorry, and gentlemen, g- sorry. Go on. Sorry. So, so but,
4: but it's the same. It's the same group of people. It's just like the 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 left wing ones Went to small liberal arts colleges and University of Chicago and places like that, yeah. and and they have better educations. But it's the same bullshit. It's the same like you were told you were going to be a master of the universe, and now you're not, and now you're pissed off, right? And mm. so how do you how do you relate to that, you know? But it's the same two groups. It, it, the the Fight Club people are guys who you know are more sort of you know working class white dudes, right? So right. if you if you're a, a, a a woman, you can't join that MRA fight club crowd, right? It's just, you don't fit there. So you go to the other group, but it's the same kind of weird group of people who are full of resentment against society. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to like explain somehow where they landed or how they landed where they are.
3: And they just blame a a boogeyman. Festering pit of resentment. Conrad, what do you want to say?
6: Well, what unites these people? Um, You know, people on the right, people on the left. Um, You know, I, I think this is exactly right. It's like a belief that, uh, there is some just society out there that (laughs) has been violated and that we should, you know, basically return to that condition.
3: Turtle Island.
6: And if you're an MRA, uh, I guess justice is like having a girlfriend or something. (laughs) No, not Um, a girlfriend. And if you're on the left, uh, justice is like, um, it's Turtle Island.
3: It's yeah. Please, please. It's Turtle Island. Tell the story. What's Turtle Island? Okay. So, so this is a good good one. <laughs> The, is, the Chicago you, you, you,
1: DSA Radlib <laughs> Caucus published a phenomenal article in the local Midwest like, Socialist. You couldn't get this from a Nazi. When
3: my comrades ask me now and again to envision what my ideal anarcho-socialist world would be, I always answer, "It's not really up to me." A world free of the clutches of capital and the settler colonial state is one where indigenous comrades have the liberty and power to sustain and grow their lives and communities for generations to come. Much like abolition, decolonization is not a destructive process. It is a transformative one. But this is a transformative process and a transformational end that cannot be decided by colonial settlers and accomplices. Our indigenous comrades are owed not just a seat at the table, but the entire table itself.
1: Yeah, it was just the wildest thing. But fundamentally, the it was a call to I believe um, we shouldn't le- let our we shouldn't grant our indigenous brothers and sisters or our indigenous comrades because we're brothers and sisters, Ugh. is gendered language, our indigenous Sorry. comrades a seat at the table. We should give them the entire table. And so part we should of, just
3: kill ourselves. Fuck yeah! Guess,
1: part of that involves decolonizing Jigagong, which is apparently the actual name of Chicago, <laughs> and, and not only Jigagong, but also all of Turtle Island. Which and is, I believe, Turtle Island means North America. Um, so yeah, that was that's Turtle Island. Wait, so. what do you so, mean decolonize? I presumably killed. Well, so, oh, lady, wait, wait. wait exactly, so but... it's
5: an abstract form of go back to Africa, <laughs> right, yeah. but you just right.
3: include Europe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm loving every it. bit of this. Right, right, the quote basically. I saw said, I'm not defending wait. this and that of Chicago. Yes. Yes, that yes, my Chicago would only consist of 2% of the population. But can,
4: can, I, can, I, can I interrupt just for no, a second? This is just, it's but yeah, it's, it's actually about, about right, what Conrad said before. It's. What this shows to me is how both groups are basically proto-fascists because they're always trying to make America great again. They're always trying to go back to some yeah. fantastic yeah. past.
5: Or to right wrong. You know, some, and that's that what I was trying existed. to say the reliance on the state. As, they're their as punisher. They,
3: and they're authoritarian because they yeah. want to appeal to an establishment and an authority it, in order it, to they,
4: enforce it. They're completely willing to blast you out of existence for the most minor thing, Right. Like, because what is it to cancel someone,
3: right? An ignorant sli- fucker does not use chopsticks. Somebody bash him on the head.
4: Well, I mean, someone take that his job. Someone him. take that his works. job away and make him living under a bridge. You know, god damn it, they don't deserve to have a job or any money coming in. He can't fucking read,
3: anyways. He doesn't have any
6: emotions. So what's up, yeah. comrade? All right. Oh, I just wanted to read. I found the article that Jamal is talking about. Yes. Um, and I just, you know, it's important. You said killing whitey and sending all the black people back to Africa. They say that's not true. Oh, um, no. Much like abolition, decolonization is not a destructive process. Of course not. It's a not. transformative one, mm-hmm. but this is a transformative process and a transformational end. They cannot be decided by colonial settlers and accomplices. I think that probably means uh, black people.
5: Uncle Tom: um, Sorry. Our <laughs> <indigenous> comrades <laughs> you, you damn slaves Not
6: just a seat at the table <laughs> helping, but the entire table itself, to do with as they will. Certainly, it is up to us, demanded of us, in fact, to conspire with our siblings to decolonize both um,
1: Chicago,
6: Chicago, uh, <laughs> currently known as Chicago and all of Turtle Island but what is not ours to decide is what is done after
3: how can this person be a spokesman for anything because if they believed what they actually said they'd put a The quote I saw was like, there wouldn't be a Chicago if I had what I want. That's, that's when it became clear to me that these people are like verging. They just, they just hate everyone who lives in this landmass.
5: Yo, guys. I'm quitting class unity and I'm leaving Turtle Island because I can't I just can't be an accomplice. Taking
3: right,
5: yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a twenty-three and me, figure out where the fuck I'm from yeah. and I'm going go, yeah. back. I'm going back. <laughs> right. well, you then, know
1: what and I mean what I, Liberia I, did, right? just enslave the yeah, name. I mean <laughs>
5: fucking like, I'm not leaving without my money. Right. But what
2: do you do?
4: <laughs> See, but if you take twenty-three and me and you find out that you're from ten different places, where do you go?
1: You cut yourself into uh,
4: ten, you 10 gotta different gotta
1: pieces in, yeah. e- and e- then e- then you use the single yeah. transferable vote electoral yeah. system to <laughs> yeah. an internal election.
7: Yeah. <laughs> what I want to know is where's Turtle Head Island? But don't bump. Was that a poop joke? It was a poop joke. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Nice.
1: I don't know I don't know that um Miss Turtle Island who wrote the article actually um there were two of them who wrote Turtle Island article but Wow to, 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 else to down two down. Of them. Anna Kuchakia. Yeah sorry unfortunately not Anna Kochia takes- but takes I mean, a
4: director something A Sanders do, you, do we see though like how infantilizing <laughs> and fucked up this kind of narrative is though cuz like so, I was on Facebook which is always a mistake and someone yep. posted something about how like the Spanish conquistadors in Mexico and how like the Indians were so great and all this shit. Right. And, and, and about how like the Spanish got there and when they got to Tecnoctic they say, you know, it was this fantastic place. Okay. So backtrack like a couple of years ago, we've like literally uncovered walls of skulls, yeah, like walls of massive walls of skulls of the people that the Aztecs would go to Central America, Mm -hmm. enslave, bring back, kill, sacrifice and put walls up. I mean, so, so the idea that, that, that any of these, like, all human beings are fucked up because class hierarchy is fucked up, and there's right. no fucking way around it, right? But these these liberal fictions of like, let's go back to this primeval past. Well, they're romantics.
3: They're basically it, just. Romantics.
4: I mean, it, it's, it's insane, though. It's absolutely demented.
6: It, it's insane. It is. demented It's domestic, just fucking it's also, stupid. It's not liberal, right? It's not hmm. liberal. What and is it? We should like we should be calling these people what they are, which what? is not liberal, what? but basically conservatives. They're a certain type of conservative, you know, they have sort of um, Uh uh, delusions of uh, like organic communities springing Uh Uh out of the earth or out of people's skin color, or um, maybe their sexual orientation or something like that. Um, But I mean, this is fundamentally, like it's not uh, some sort of political vision. It's rooted in What would Mm -hmm. traditionally be considered to be the left, Mm -hmm. Um, right? Isn't that that the grassy grassroots anarchists? Like,
4: right? Isn't that like the grassy grassroots Mm -hmm. anarchist idea that like these sort of communities will sprout and then we will self-govern in these very small
6: village, almost sized things? And you know, well, it could be that it could be that, or it could be identitarians who are like, yeah. Uh, politics should be organized like i don't know like it
1: is in lebanon right. where you have Abolish like, the police you know, official- implement a sectarian militia that will take the place of the police and, and then
3: you have Chaz, and you start assassinating children who've they were well i'll be state. fine because i'll
5: be back in africa they're, they're-
3: <laughs> so.
4: so, so instead of getting, so instead of getting nation-state ethnic states, we'll get village ethnic states. Yeah,
5: that's well, ontological Something tribalism. Like that. Yeah, you guys yeah. missed the whole point. That's not for you to decide. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You yeah, it's it. not for us to decide. Okay, so they're sick. You're blowing my mind with the idea that there really are conservatives, though. Well, that explains like a, a
1: lot, actually, because it explains also their, uh, you know, their support, however tepid, for, for collectivist economics, right? Like, um, because if if you view them as uh, as just unadulterated liberals, you have to explain why they support nominally, why they support Medicare right. for all and stuff like that, right? And that you can view this as sort of like a uh-huh. a a form of collectivist conservatism just with sort of a different tribal uh-huh. valence, right?
3: Yeah, that, that is interesting because for so long I've sort of started to think that, you know, in North America, because North America is the house of capital, well, Turtle actually Island. labor built, Turtle Island, pardon me, um, Land uh, land uh, recognition, or whatever. I'm, <laughs> but, I'm holding a, wait, a burning which, sage leaf actually right now. The but, thing is,
4: the, the thing that's also like funny about this is I like, thought. which tribe gets to decide what name we use for the landmass, right? Because right? yeah. there were really like 2,000 tribes. Not to
5: mention that here in Illinois, there are the Cahokia Mounds and no one knows where the fuck they came from. That's right. We know the last tribe that lived there, but we don't know who made them. So, you know, they probably killed them all. Right. and took their land genocide at some point. genocide i mean, I mean fuck that, genocide that's
6: basically like what almost all war was like up until super recently is you went to the tribe that was near you and if you could you killed I all the military age males which would be like most oh, of and the males the babies. take the women and you just uh,
5: take the rest of them as slaves yeah. Or maybe you kill them if you don't feel like you need slaves. Oh, you killed all the males, even the male babies. I mean, going back to my, my, I mean, the, babies the Old the Testament, you kill. dashed the, the male children's heads on the rocks. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so interesting.
3: We do have conservatives in America is what we're saying. I I, I thought for so long that America is just liberals, left and right liberals. But yeah, we do have conservatives
1: is that they're on the left. Maybe that is that fucking explains- nuts. There we go. That's our gimmick. That's our that 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 explains Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> so why what so why are
3: they on the left, and what are the effects of this?
1: They're on the left because that's the only way you can oppose the 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 hegemony of the status quo, right? Like the, it's the oppositional place to be.
5: That's how you oppose, Daddy. Well,
6: yeah. no, it's not the only oppositional place to
1: be. Because conservatives, like avowed
6: conservatives, people think that they're conservative think that they are in opposition to the status quo too. Um, You know, like the conservatives will say all the time, the dominant culture, like, you know, it's supporting uh, like all this crazy gender stuff or, um, you know, like the LGBT agenda, that sort of thing. Um, And we are, you know, we're rebelling against this and opposing it. Um, Conservatives, many of them think that uh, like, you know, they're fighting for the little guy and opposing the powers that be, when they oppose like abortion or something like that. Because, you know, like what's more of a little guy than like native uh, Americans or whatever. I think the point is uh, that they're
5: all anti-democratic. That's, that's my problem. Well, And also,
7: uh, I'm sort of reminded of, um, how much I don't know how much Marilyn Robinson you guys have
5: read. None, zero.
7: I mean, she's primarily known for her novels, but she's uh, also an essayist. In her first collection of essays, The Death of Adam, which came out in 97, I believe, she has an essay called Family, which is basically like um, sort of highlighting or sort of pointing out this sort of irony in, in, in some ways that um, say the traditional conservative idea that like stores should be closed on Sunday for mm-hmm. Family Day is Europe. actually kind of that's a, just Europe. Well, but it's also like a radical position now because in the era of twenty four hour uh, everything mm. must be open, mm-hmm. free market competition. Well, anti capitalism, mm-hmm. right? That's like a, a kind of radical thing. Because like, that's like,
5: not be just Europe, huh? That's not just Europe. You can see that transformation in Walmart. Um, because originally, right. when Sam Walton established Walmart, people got paid. You got, it was closed on Sunday first. And then when it was open on Sunday, you got paid three times. Then they lowered it to double. Then they lowered it to time and a half. And now you get like, you don't, you don't get anything.
7: Yeah. 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 But it is just, there, there is that irony that like, um, that conservative idea, like of like, this is the day for families mm -hmm. is ironically sort of weirdly anti-capitalist.
4: They're not, they're not conservative. They're fascist. And here, here's here's the difference. Okay. They don't want to return to the previous mode of production. They want to keep the mode of production, but go back to, right. diff- to the same culture that we had sure. prior to the changes in the mode of production. Right. That's right, a right. fascist stance.
7: Yeah, of course. Right. It's not That's... a
4: conservative stance. They're not saying deindustrialize everything. And no, no, no. no. They're saying, I want all the, the cultural industrialization changes to stay, but I want to have this press that didn't really fucking exist, but mm-hmm. I want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. So it's like th- that again, the primal liberals, past. anarchists, they all just end in damn fascism. It's they just do. like a freaking stream that ends in the ocean. It's just pretty <laughs> short,
3: <laughs> pretty short connection. But I think only a Marxist could see it that way. Cause I think for a liberal, that's not a definition of fascism. I mean, for a liberal, a fascist is, a, is it just a big fat meanie basically? It's
4: just what? Is I it's can't a big, hear
3: you. It's a big meanie. I mean, what you're saying is fascism is uh, an attitude, so preserving capitalism and restoring culture. But I think for a lot of liberals, um, Mm. I mean, they wouldn't understand that, but fair enough. Um, Why though, why do these conservatives in America insist on calling themselves the left though? Because some of them are happy to call themselves conservatives.
6: So, I mean, there are uh, like historical reasons why this sort of mistake could be made. Right. Right. Um, I mean you mentioned um like stores being closed on Sundays but you know in Germany um when uh, in my favorite part of German history when uh the SPD day was big and bad and uh Marxist um you know the SPD had their unions right but there were also conservative unions that religious workers would yep. join and were run by the church slash the police then um, it's the same in Russia. Like Father Capone is a person who shows up in Lenin's writings. He's like a, um, you know, he's a religious representative of the interests of the workers, right? Which is to, you know, like make more money, have fair wages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, you could see, um, you know, you could see like uh, the legacy of kind of like post Stalin Stalinism as, a, as a similar thing, it's society looking after, uh, the working people, you know, fighting to make sure that they, um, they kind of get their just shake, uh, without ever doing what we were talking about earlier, which is like actually uprooting right. the, um, social structure that is sort of forcing everyone to, uh, make these like highly, uh, make decisions in highly suboptimal, um, conditions.
2: But why um, must they deceive people, themselves? People now
6: look back at this and they go, oh, that's the left. I once, I once heard someone uh, who I will not name um, remark that, uh, um, you know, they sort of grew up listening to Fox News as kind of a left-wing, you know, the, a left-wing person, but they grew up listening to Fox News. Um, and sort of their political education, in a way, was hearing people on Fox News talk about cultural Marxism. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they just sort of internalized this and went, yeah, and now really I identify as a cultural Marxist in the sense that Fox News means it. And the weird part is they went to college and they studied German and uh, like read the Frankfurt School and stuff. Are you fucking
3: talking Um, about me? I know. I was just you're thinking, not- is this Daniel? <laughs> 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 you
6: know because I'm not a... This, that sounds a very a cultural similar. similar. I was talking about, yeah. He the grew up to Fox News, yeah. let that's me tell you. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure.
3: But... Um, <laughs>
6: <laughs> but yeah, people people do this. People go uh, like, "Oh, the Republicans really hate socialists. I hate the Republicans. Let's go figure mm. out what they think socialists are." Yeah, and but they you know go what they're they fucking right. The cultural think, Marxism like,
5: sucks. Well, what is cultural it's Marxism?
3: Not, it, it's not is not cultural Marxism, I
7: mean, is just like sixty-eight
3: academic <laughs> right. bullshit where you're talking about art. I, yeah. I think yeah, the yeah other, but
4: they're not. The cultural Marxism yeah, has no cult- Marxism.
6: About Marxism about art, so my friends do that. Yeah,
1: it's
4: yeah. There is no Marx. There's no actual Marxism.
5: I think
1: the other explanation for why. These people, like they
4: think they think Derrida is a
1: cultural Marxist.
4: Yeah, they okay, think Foucault is idiots. the cultural Marxist. My question is kind of.
7: I'm sorry, but Derrida's canceled for writing about being naked in but, front of his cat. <laughs> that's right.
3: But but there is cultural Marxism though. It's Marxism that's concerned primarily with culture. And Gramsci was that turn, even if he didn't mean it intentionally. Like, okay, he was writing, he was writing in code because he was writing on smuggled paper in a prison and so right. forth, and he used all these, all these alternate jargon terms and stuff to get through the censor, but the effect is, and it's interesting to read, but the effect is when it comes out, you get this kind of Marxism, which is completely preoccupied with like habitus or whatever, you know, like the sort of mores and the practices and stuff. And it's so removed from economy that, I mean, it fostered a whole generation of people who said, yeah, we can just jettison political economy completely.
6: So, so I would say, yeah, sorry, I would go say ahead. and I think this is where I'm going to disagree where, where me and Daniel have butted heads in the past, that what is jettisoned isn't so much political economy as politics, is the politics of Marxism doesn't really exist anymore. And people kind of just naturalize that. And in the absence of the politics of Marxism, you know, you can sort of be, um, you know, you can be like a David Harvey type and be studying Marxist political economy, Right. Mm-hmm. but not really like accomplishing anything in the grand scheme of things or you can be you know a uh, like art critic or something and uh, you know like read the reification essays and um uh all that sort of thing uh and you know think about sort of marxism in a certain way but not not ever have it amount to anything actually and what really ties all of this together is politics
3: fair enough fair enough the politics does vanish yeah. but what i was pointing at is just that there isn't a causal component anymore like if you read gramsci even like althusser althusser is supposed to be a hardcore marxist and he is in a lot of respects but like where is the economy he talks about the repressive state apparatus and the ideological state apparatus where the fuck is capitalism like where is capital like marx wrote like thousands of pages about None of that he wrote about economy and it's just not to be found. And similarly, he wrote
4: wrote about culture too. Uh, Don't you know, yeah, yeah, he he
3: wrote thousands and thousands of pages. But but we, we need,
4: we need, we need, you know, it's like, I mean this a metaphor but you know like buddhism for example it's not just about the four noble truths right they have a bunch of other stuff that they talk about there's like buddhist art there's buddhist this, and it's the same thing with marxist stuff right there's got to be obviously at the core there's a whole issue about the commodity and production and economics etc but th- that has implications for culture too right because sure, if sure. we're saying if we if we need to be able to analyze the culture we're in through the lens of this economic commodities issues, right? Like Mm -hmm. commodity fetishism says a lot about our culture. Sure. Again,
3: again, fair enough. Fair enough. But I think that the cultural Marxist, like the liberal, thinks that culture is somehow autonomous. Like the liberal thinks that opinions are sort of autonomous, freestanding, uncaused causes that can be accountable or responsible. And I think uh, the cultural Marxist thinks that... You know, we just look at culture and, you know, I mean, fuck economics. I mean, you need some math for that. That's a pain in the ass, right? Let's just talk about art. I mean, it's lazy. But, uh, it's lazy. But
4: that That's just a, you know, I mean, that's a mistake. Yes. You need to look at the economics and the material conditions to understand things. Right. I mean, that's granted. That's Marxist. But and, and to think otherwise is a, is, is a mistake. But I mean, but this is an axe to grind. I think that you have. Right. This concern that we always have to be talking about the economic side of it. Facts.
3: We do need to talk about facts. Okay, so like I don't feel like we've actually hammered this down.
1: So the 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 Radlibs are the left because they are the scum left (laughs) on the beach after the, the receding of the Bernie wave. Right. So the Bernie wave carried a bunch of basically normal people. Into the proximity of the left, right, in in some way, right, and that's who all of the leftoids hated. In fact, the normal people, yeah right? they they switched they switched to to liking Bernie after he was kind of no longer viable. But a lot of the worst rad libs, even even in twenty twenty, were supporting Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. right, and and sort of insisting mm. that that you know Bernie would bring even the fucking wrong
3: Jacobin. I read recently, Jacobin was criticizing Slavoj Zizek for not endorsing Hillary Clinton. It's like, what the fuck are you thinking?
1: I don't know. I don't know well. about that. I mean, but so I think fundamentally what happened was that you had this you had something like a large popular mobilization behind Bernie in 2016 um, that brought a l- huge amount of people into the proximity of left politics. Um, the vast majority of of those people either never got engaged in any meaningful way or they got engaged and then kind of receded, dropped out in large part because this other group of people, the the rad libs and so forth, took over the institutions and drove them out, and so now the the wave is gone. It's just the f- the kind of the froth. crusty froth left on the beach with all the jetsam and shit, and that's all that's left of the Bernie mobilization is these people, right? Mm. But previously, these people constituted. A, a minority within a much larger coalition. It's just that they're the only ones who have kind of stuck around. So that's why the left is populated by conservatives right now. You think? I think so. I think. I think it's like a middle class crust on top of a working class mobilization. And in the absence of the working class mobilization, with that having faded, now you've just got the crust left.
3: So we've got the bathwater with no baby. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And now, finally, what are the effects? Like, what does this mean? Like.
5: What are are you guys in class unity trying to do to kind of, well, what are we trying to do to combat this, the crustiness? (laughs) You know, I I think. Sorry, go ahead, Conrad.
1: I
6: think, and I've said this a few times before, um, but I think there's a lot of reason to believe that um, the opportunities that confront us within the next few years will not really have the same potential for, um, you know, recruitment, getting new members, et cetera, et cetera, that the opportunities of the past four years had. Yeah, um, And this is going to be a really, really unsatisfying answer, and also one that sounds uh, dangerously similar to, like, insular sectarianism. But the, the task for us going forward, I think, will be to figure out ways to still be productive even in sort of this receding tide hmm. um, where perhaps, you know, speaking to Bernie Kratz isn't really going to be possible anymore. Shit. We're going to have to figure out ways to make ourselves better. And we're going to have to figure out ways that will position us to, you know, identify what are opportunities and what aren't opportunities in the future. and allow us to respond to them. So you uh, basically seem dark when they times come ahead. About. And, that's, oh, a, and, low and time. that's difficult too, because you have to do that while also not burning out all right. the people that you have, right? So because it's, it's very, very easy when you're on the left. You can just be like, all right, things seem bad right now, but I'm going to get to work. I'm going to make my phone calls. I'm going to knock on my mm-hmm. doors. I'm going to set up my campaigns. We're going to do this thing and we're going to keep doing it. You can do that for a long time. But it's um, it's pretty hard. And uh and to younger. attrition.
1: I, I think, you know, I, I sort of disagree with with Conrad's prognosis, and I think a lot of it has to do with differences in the experience that we've had in different cities around the country, right? So in Portland That's almost certainly true. Right. In Portland, class unity has very much not taken off and it's certainly not due to any fault in in conrad's um you know uh, leadership it's because i think portland is a particularly hostile environment first off um it's it's extremely subcultural as a city from my understanding i've never never been there but that seems to be sort of the the gist that everyone agrees on and also i think there there is a kind of a strategic difference here between what what you know uh See you tried to do in Portland and a variety of other major cities, and what see you wound up doing in Chicago, um, which was in in a lot of other cities. There's this sort of, uh, and Conrad can correct me if if I'm mischaracterizing, but a sort of belief that. If we're responsible and productive and we engage in good faith with the actually existing left, we can slowly convert people and eventually, you know, or and this was and Conrad's correct that initially my thought was, well, there's a kind of dark matter within the actually existing DSA that just doesn't show up to meetings and we can kind of recruit them. Right. So either one of these strategies.
3: Well, uh, those are the Berniecrats who turned up for Bernie.
1: Right. Right. But. You know, to, to And so, now they're AWOL. Now they're A-Wall and we don't really know what happened to them. But um in, in Chicago, our strategy was we're just not gonna bother with the DSA. We're just gonna hang out and drink a lot. And eventually <laughs> we find ourselves with a lot of members and now we can go back into... It's the Beer Hall method. Right. The Beer Hall method is now that we have members, we can go back into the DSA. We've spent the last, you know, several months not worrying what DSA thinks about us, not getting involved in DSA. Developing
3: camaraderie. Developing camaraderie. Right.
1: Developing in-group camaraderie but not attempting to engage with the organization (laughs) at all. And now we engage with the organization kind of from a position of relative strength because we have internal discipline, we have a lot of members, we can start going in just taking over, you know, things here and there, opportunistic. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of think that, to my mind, there's there's a positive future here, um, it, not necessarily in the sense that oh, eventually we'll be able to take over the DSA, but that we can constitute something that at present does not exist in the United States, which is right. a left, an actually Marxist left formation, mm-hmm. right? That isn't just some kind of weird marginal trot cult that is well, that actually is capable. That is much
3: better than anything. Like, d- let's say we take over the DSA, like... Hooray. I mean, that's not that great of an accomplishment. If we could do second thing you just said, like come up with an actual. I
1: I mean, that's going to be a harder uh, that's going to be a harder thing to do. But I think that, you know, just just even having even having a critical mass of people, you know, within a kind of cohesive discipline structure, Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't seem like that it's much more resilient than it seems when there's only like three of you, literally only three of you, and you're actually trying to engage with these people because they're just gonna, they're just gonna crush you, you know, but when you have a large enough number of people, you find that they're kind of shrinking violets, like the the anarchists who initially were like, in Chicago, were like, class unity is a bunch of racists, and so on and so forth, they basically shut up, like they don't even bother with us, like they don't even engage with us in the Slack anymore, like the, we used to get like 40 down votes on everything we posted, now it's just like Nothing, right? We become normalized, and we're here, and they don't. What the fuck is that? I, I think, I think it's like this. This kind of, it's this cult. What's mentality, wrong with these right? people in their minds? They're authoritarian. It's a cult mentality. It's and, just
3: hyperconformism, right?
1: Like- and when the conformism is kind of ruptured in a, in a way that that they can't kind of like deny as just one or two cranks, they can't maintain that level of of vicious engagement, right? right? And so, I think that's kind of the key, like you once you actually have the numbers to kind of establish yourself within a given dsa chapter i think that you can accomplish much more than it seems when you're trying to like roll this boulder uphill and like trying to persuade them through logical argument and just running into the fact that they are you know literally crazy you know and cannot be persuaded at all right well, it's
3: probably just a personality disorder they're probably not psychotic
4: i i mean it it's like you go to San Francisco and and this guy tells you, uh, uh, I'm gender, queer, polyamorous, you know, pansexual. Awesome. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been with the same woman, you're a dude, and you've been with the same woman for 20 years and you guys don't have sex outside of your marriage. Well, that's awesome. You're just like a heterosexual dude well, that's in, what I'm... in a monogamous religion. No, you can't say that about me because, you know, I mean, it's that kind that's... of weird mindset. That's the kind of conformism. They can't say, yeah. because saying that they're like, heterosexuals in a monogamous relationship there would be like this transgression of the norms where they live right
3: but that's what i meant about managers with sleeve tats or tat sleeves or whatever like why the fuck is the middle class so utterly self-deceived and mendacious like look i grew up protestant i still have christian values i don't believe in god um i don't like craft beer okay uh i dress like a slob like I don't need to, like, why the fuck do these people need to doll
5: themselves up in such magisterial pretenses? Because life sucks. And yeah, You've it grown sucks. up with fairy tales and superheroes all your fucking life. For
3: Christ's sake.
5: I mean, like, you're
1: and, saying and you, you, you went to, to be college long. and you learned that you had to network in order to get jobs. You had to, you know, I remember when I was first looking for a job, you know, uh, and, and the way that you were supposed to find a job was like to go out for lunch with people from your network and like get them to you know it's this stupid scam that within like a couple tries i was like this this isn't gonna work but i think that it's this kind of like pmc careerist like just internalization Mm -hmm. of of the the methodology that you use in the in the professional world, it's, which a lot of them use to no great success in the yeah, professional world. No doubt you've got to you gotta do that shit, it's, but no, why do they have
5: to deceive themselves? It's because it hasn't been beaten out of them yet,
1: man. Um, they still think they can make it big. They still think, right, yeah. uh,
5: like I'll use myself as an anecdote. I do that all the time, but like, I remember I joined ROTC and I had eight piercings in my face. I had a couple of tattoos. I had dreadlocks down to the, you know, my ass And, you know, everyone looks at me like, oh, this dude isn't going to make it in the army. Right. But then you go into or into the, the Air Force and then you go in and like the military is good at breaking down your sense of self and becoming part of a collective, even if you have to rationalize it by individualizing your place in that collective is I don't work for the institution. I protect my brothers at arms, that type of shit, which you still, you're still doing the bidding of the institution. You're still part of the collective, but you've rationalized it to an extent where you can be effective. That's all they give a shit about. Right. Um, so, and then when you get out into the workforce like society beats you over the head again that you're not an individual because your sole function in this system no, is to make money for your boss.
3: That is, you are an individual. You really, really are. I don't
5: want to be an individual anymore. Like I tell people this. There's a dude at work who would complain about um, you know, I, I want to be relevant. This is a guy who's like 55. I just want to be relevant. And I was like, you're That's 55, bro. Like, there's be a beauty in being irrelevant. You don't have the burden of relevancy. You don't have to be up with the Joneses. You don't got to do this. Like I tell my little nephews all the time, they look up to me. I'm their old, I'm their uncle. And I say, it's, it's your job to be cool now. I'm not cool anymore. It's your job. I don't have to do that shit anymore. And I, I wish that liberals would just figure out that they don't have to be cool you don't have to necessarily be liked and the end result is that you will probably be liked by more people if you are truly get rid of your individuality and become part of a, a part of something bigger and you know I, I won't i won't go with the next thing i was going to say because it's i'm inspired it's depressing I'm but inspired. I I just think you you do really, like Marco was saying, really need to have that ego death that having a job supplies for you in reality. It will kill you eventually. It will kill the individual in you if you work a job long enough. I guarantee it. And then hopefully you're not just a reactionary. You can come back to your Marxism and actually apply it. That's what happened to me.
4: Well, I mean, it's also understanding, again, going back to the beginning, that your sort of individual liberation will come from the liberation of the collective, right. right? Like collectively, we need to liberate ourselves. You can't be free in a collective that's enslaved. That makes no sense. Right. Unless you okay. make
3: enough money. Well, but that's how everyone thinks. Like <laughs> I can then only you're, be free then, if I'm then an you're exception the, to the rule.
4: Then you're the slaver, right? Then, then, then you're the slave master who, who's in a weird way, again, suffering from the, having to perpetuate that too. Mm. That's not... It's not a free transaction.
6: I think we should get away from the idea that capitalists are free. Mm, They might be like sort of free, more free than us perhaps, but they're not free either.
3: No Uh, one is. They're still subject to the course of laws of competition in Marx's terms. All right. So my, my closing thoughts are this, I'm going to try to give a super succinct rundown of my version of what I've gotten from our conversation for answers for the questions that I've asked. Um, Conservatives populate the left, and the reason why is because the economy is in a long bout of stagnation, downward mobility. Uh, the effects are that the left, so-called, we could call it socialist movements, is paralyzed, and they hate what we could call genuine materialist socialists because it punctures the bubble of their fantasy about themselves. What do you think, Adam?
7: I think that's I think that's right. I I'm not sure how to add to that.
3: Okay. Did it, did, it, did it tickle your tickle your fantasy faculty in such a way that you could uh, sort of riff a little?
7: I mean, for me, it still comes down to and this is something I've been like writing about and thinking about for a long time is the the difference between class and culture, which is that like mm-hmm. it, when you don't have an actual sort of class. If you don't have an understanding of class, your only understanding of the world and of your position in the world is through culture. And I think the left is really kind of suffering from the burden of culture. And it can't get out, it can't sort of like mm. let go of that. You know it's like I a mean? raccoon with
3: a paw caught in a bear trap.
7: Right, right. And so then when you have this kind of nascent worker movement, however small and however brief we had with Bernie which gets destroyed, you know, utterly, utterly destroyed. All that's left then is the cultural stuff, you know, and then Mm. when it's the cultural stuff, then you just get a return to that kind of cultural capital, which of course is just individual kind of like meritocratic, like, um, you know, virtue signaling, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: Jamal.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that's, Right. And I think that sort of the way forward is simply that, you know, the middle class always has this tendency to just give up on the Marxist conception of the working class as the engine for for historical change at the at the first moment of of disaster or setback. Right. And so the new left gave up on the working class and the the sort of anarcho liberals, the rad libs, uh, the identitarian fundamentalists gave up on the working class after, you know, Bernie flamed out if they'd ever believed in the working class in the first place and sort of have retreated, as you say, to this kind of cultural fantasy world. Um, I think the way forward is simply to say, you know, it may be hard to organize the working class, but organizing the working class when you accomplish it is more much more durable. And so it may take us a long time but I don't think I don't think it's an impossible task. And if we just keep doing it bit by bit, I think that I mean, I I think that fundamentally the sort of imposing hegemony that the the identitarians have in left organizations is a paper tar- tiger to a large extent like um Peop, marxists come up with all sorts of excuses why they can't join dsa but a lot of it fundamentally is just like i'm afraid i'm afraid to state what i believe in a meeting where i know everyone will screech at me yeah i'm afraid yeah. i'll get right. canceled like trump voters right i'm afraid i'll be canceled i'm i'm terrified right and it's like you know that's that's an understandable fear to have but it's also overblown you just have to find a way to get yourself in a position where you have nothing to fear and at that precise moment they're 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 totally impotent they can't do anything to you you know fundamentally um and i think we're, we're finding that now we were very cautious when we ran in chicago we didn't publicize the names of our candidates some of our candidates in infinite wisdom didn't even bother to vote for themselves um, <laughs> <You know. laughs> he might even be the resume speaks for itself <laughs> <laughs> maybe present on this on this podcast um but you know so we were very ca- sort of cautious And, you know, it, it, we needn't have been so cautious.
3: Yeah, cautious like,
1: and yet fucking stormed it. Yeah, we did. a I mean, we didn't storm. We didn't actually win, let's be frank. But we did do a, a better job than, than we were expecting. Was pretty good. We Pretty good. And I think, you know, and that was with us just not being public, with us basically hiding under a rock and kind of like surreptitiously voting for ourselves. When we kind of, you know, if we start to actually be public and actually say like, hey, here's our arguments, here's our slate, you know, come meet us mm-hmm. at a barbecue that we're going to host. Um, you know, it stands to reason that we're going to do better. Right. We mm-hmm. can't possibly do worse because literally the only people who voted for us in that last election were us. <laughs> we, we didn't get any yeah. votes from anyone else in the entire chapter.
5: Well, you, so we literally can't do worse than that. So there you go. There is a caveat, right? Mm-hmm. You could have taught them how to organize because we one, because they were disorganized. Well, that's what they so said. Now, too. if they get their shit together, they're not going to get their shit together. I mean, these people, they're a bunch they of hippies. I was looking for a silver lining in all the right. organization. <laughs> I hope they get their shit together.
1: No, I, it's hilarious because the the people who had their shit together in Chicago, the Bread and Roses Caucus, who've run a uh, Chicago chapter for years mm-hmm. and years, um, they literally are evacuating the leadership races. They're not running at all. They've they've just surrendered. They're just like, oh, the 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 Radlibs are here and they're screeching at us and we don't want to deal with it. We're just gonna not run anymore. So it's like, you know, you you see how internally fragile this entire this entire dynamic is when it's actually punctured to any extent, it starts to just fall apart, you know? Mm. Um and this and is happening. The paper tiger. Right. It's the paper tiger. It's happening at the national level. Like the second largest caucus at the national level, a collective power network, fell apart. No one really knows why, it just did, right? It's like these these Well, it's because these people are just basically flaky. Yeah, they're flaky, they're babies, and so on and so forth. But it's like, that's a great opportunity. That's a phenomenal opportunity. You just have to kind of have have a little bit of, you know, like stick-to-itiveness And you have to I I think the other fundamental thing is you can't pick your fight until you're ready to pick the fight, you know, because if you pick the fight and you wind up looking like an isolated, you know, sort of lone voice, the the conformist sort of um, um, phenomenon that obtains in these spaces is really going to work against you. But if you kind of show up out of nowhere as a a relatively formidable force, Mm -hmm. you know, that conformist phenomenon doesn't obtain anymore they that doesn't work on you right and they start to actually you know inevitably respect your presence Um, and and I think that you know, the major city chapters are the hardest nuts to crack. In smaller chapters, you know, we've been having lots of members being like, you know, yeah, everyone, you know, we've got tons of members getting elected in smaller chapters, you know, where where this kind of hotbox, you know, mm-hmm. sort of radlib shit isn't quite as prevalent. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll take over the DSA, but I, I am still positive that we could constitute something quite legitimate. Um, within it, and that—that that I think is better than you can say any other left formation has mm-hmm. done, you know, in, yeah, in quite a while. So we may as well just fucking do it.
3: Well, you just read the principles. It's not madness. It's not magic. And then you come to an event, and the people aren't crazy. They're actually quite friendly. Daddy, so you got any final thoughts?
5: Oh, um, what I—I'll I'll be quick so we can get to Marco and Conrad. But um, I think what I learned is that um, since the rad libs and the anarchists are just down upstream from fascism and we're going into fascism, if we're going to go into fascism, let's just do it like Starship Troopers Um where only the military are citizens <laughs> and you know it's just pretty much like a Fox News aesthetic and and just like totally fucking badass and we find some 80 a- aliens to murder it'll it'll be it'll be great you know shit rocks i think yeah marco <laughs>
4: um so i I was thinking about, I think it was Jamal who was talking about how, like, the, the Berniecrats just sort of disappeared, right? Um, and I think it's actually because a lot of the Berniecrats are not truly, like, very political in the sort of everyday sense of that word. They're actually people who, in a way, are, are naive Marxists. They okay. just they don't really know any of the theory or anything like that, but they care about bread and butter, material conditions, issues, Mm -hmm. And as soon as Bernie's out of the picture, those issues are no longer discussed. We go back to the sort of Ouroboros of identity politics and all that nonsense that exists as a way to not talk about material conditions. So they go, oh, well, there's nothing there for me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of why they disappear as soon as, as as soon as there's no leader or a group or a thing pushing forward, actual changes to their life, mm-hmm. they disappear. Cause there's nothing there for them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I mean, and this goes back all the way to like, you know, and I've talked about this ad nauseum, it goes back to the collapse of like actually existing socialist countries, which is, that's when the U S says capitalism won, Everything else is bullshit. You can only do capitalism. The free market is God. And so at that point, there was nothing left for the sort of social justice warriors that are rad lips to talk about other than culture. There's nothing left, right? You can't talk about class because capitalism won. So now you just got to hyper-focus on on identity things. And they have been hyper-focusing on that for decades. And the problem is, is that if you let's say you're doing a race, right? And you're just like blind and it's just all white, black, white, black, white, black. And then like this X person shows up and you're like, whoa, you got you added a third category. <laughs> and so, so they've been sort of doing this madness for decades where They're everything all trying has to outdo to get, each other. Yeah. Well, everything just gets more and more quote unquote nuanced, but really just more mm-hmm. fragmented, divided. And and it becomes a sort of perverse hierarchy of oppression, right? And and mm-hmm. to go back to your favorite philosophy, Nietz- philosopher Nietzsche, um, it becomes like slave morality bullshit, right? <laughs> where where it's like where where they're trying to take the cultural sort of system and in, invert it, right? And say like, oh, the the strong are bad and the weak are good, right, right. and uh, you know, right, and, and it's resentment evil, is.
3: I mean, that's a powerful thought, and the left that, is I just mean, a it, sack of festering horizontal.
4: Well, I mean, but that is rad lib life, right? It's 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 <laughs> leads the way all the way every day, right? And mm-hmm. so, so if you're if you're like a white person and a, and a black person, immediately the black person will be like, "I'm better than you because I'm black." Fuck yeah.
3: And then that might be the true, white, but then the white I mean, person talking will, jazz. Or what are we
4: talking? about <laughs> I
3: was just thinking about myself and all but of then, you guys.
4: Then, but. <laughs> but let's say that let's say that the white person is a woman and the black person is a man. This like no, because I'm a is woman. A and then and then they'll start playing <laughs> like Definitely Magic: yes, The Gathering yeah. of identity culture. You know, identity politics. It's like, well, I have my you know my my black card. Now I have my woman card. Well, I have my LGBT card.
3: I got my Pokemon. Well, I have a, motherfucker you know, and, and well beca- even yeah keep going
4: this game of like who is most oppressed becomes who is most righteous and most bestest and that's that's the game we've been playing because yeah. and and there's no way you're gonna get the standard Bernie crat who's not pmc right. Right. to join in that they're like who that is it asinine it doesn't change my life fuck this what's i'm out point,
3: right
2: what's I mean, the point they, of this they, nonsense
3: they turn out for class politics and i totally take your point that um in a certain way, the, the rad lib is basically like, has accepted the assumption of the end of history, the class is off limits. They're like McCarthyites in a way, like hmm. hyperconformist, you know, I mean, they seem like they'd be the opposite of a McCarthyite because they would probably say jingoism is bad, but they're but they're so like,
6: not necessarily. It's, well, it's, it's, it's like McCarthyism. Sort of an inverted jingoism. Yeah, no. like anti-Americanism is uh the most American thing you can possibly do. Yes, you, <laughs> it. you well, find I that mean, in Germany
3: it, a lot. Like the good German complains about Germans. I mean, this and, is and,
4: and here's here's the thing. Like I, I checked out from electoral politics as soon as Bernie was out because there's really no point, right? Mm. Like, I, I mean, I'm a communist, but fuck it. Like, healthcare and living wage are okay palliative care things to fight for, right? But as soon as he was out, I just checked out. I'm not interested in it. But see, to me, I didn't check out of politics because politics is more than electoral politics. Mm-hmm. But to the average Berniecrat, there's nothing else. It's just electoral politics or nothing. I see. So if there's nothing to do, they're done. They're checked out. Marco, and you're not I- going to see them. Until someone shows up.
1: Marco. let' me you join class unity, bitch.
4: <laughs> I'm not joining anything. Fucking join it. We got people in LA. <laughs> you, think,
3: you you you're a beautiful soul, Marco. You gotta get in here I get your done. get your pristine hands dirty.
6: I am See, done. Uh, unlike Marco, I Bernie Lost and I uh, stopped paying attention to electoral politics, except for our beautiful, perfect former president, Donald Trump. <laughs> and despite the fact despite the fact that I didn't vote in this election. And on the on the night before election day, looking at his Twitter account, seeing the video of him dancing to YMCA at all of his rallies, was pretty damn
7: good, absolutely brilliant,
6: and just going like, you know, we live in like authoritarian world, right? And you can either be one of these people who like runs out into the street in Portland and gets in a fight with the cops and submits to authority that way, or you can be the person who just goes like. Donald Trump is the most beautiful, funny, and objectively best president yeah, that he America is. has had. <laughs> he's the since he's a perfect Lincoln. expression
3: of America. <laughs> I mean, America is a retarded asshole factory. That's what
6: it is. And and you just gotta like lose yourself in the beautiful um, president, the beautiful miasma uh, that is that is MAGA. But unfortunately. Uh, the state of Oregon doesn't let you register on the same day as you vote. So All right,
3: well, I'm not going to let you end on that note. Why don't you log <laughs> us off with some final words? What, what, what's, what's your, oh. your, your, what's your moment of Zen to put it in
6: that? Uh, what's my moment of Zen? Idiom. It's oh, a daily show. Right? I don't know. I think uh, what Jamal said was maybe uh, a little bit inspiring. Like it might not be that hard to, uh, take over DSA so you know why not give it a shot but if we don't accomplish that at least we can be the people who like at least put our hands up and say like why we think this happened um because no one else is going to do that right yeah like no one else in DSA is going to have a conversation where they try to explain why the left is the way that it is um they're just going to go and do what they always do
3: move on to an NGO job.